I'm calling to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, August the 10th, 2020. Let the record show that we started at 10 minutes after five. Um, all councilors should have an agenda in front of them. Uh, are there any additions, Mr. Parker? Uh, there are, Your Worship, and Council uh, under Section 14.1, FOIP Division 2, exception to disclosure. Section 16, disclosure harmful to business interest of a third party. Okay. Any deletions? If there are none, Your Worship. Okay. Uh, motion to adopt the agenda as amended. Mr. Good, all in favor? Passed. Uh, we will go to the minutes of July 27, 2020. Uh, are there any uh, any reason why those minutes shouldn't be adopted as is? I would um, move. I would move the minutes as presented. Okay. All in favor? Good. Any public hearings, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Okay. We have a. Uh, Presentation uh, from uh, Donald Hatchie. Um, so if Donald Hatchie can uh, come forward and make his presentation. And Mr. Hatchie is on the phone. Oh, you want me to speak? Yep, you've got yes, the floor, sir. Okay, I'm just, uh, thank you very much everyone for hearing me. Um, I'm just, uh, what I'm doing is I'm asking for relief from counties on my back taxes. I was uh, out of Canada for a few years and I've been in back for one year. I uh, phoned in to uh, pay my taxes on the property when I found out I was in arrears for three years. I had people picking up my mail and paying my bills. Uh, I don't know why that's the first thing. I'm in uh, negotiations with the bank to see if I could try and remortgage at this present time. I don't know if they'll let me because, you know, I've been out of work for two years. I don't know what else you guys would like me to say. Okay. Well, it's... Um, um, it, uh, well, we'll open it up for questions from uh, the counselors, but uh, I can tell you in terms of uh, precedents, it'll be, uh, you're going against the grain, Mr. Hatchie. Uh, we, we did have one case where we, uh, we had a, uh, a senior, his wife passed away and he, his daughter was uh, moving him into a residence and he missed his uh, this is tax deadline, and we uh, we still didn't didn't grant any relief. So, but we will uh, allow uh, counselors to ask you questions, and we'll go from there. Okay, uh, Ms. Matt, Deputy Mayor Manzer. Um. So, Mr. Hatchie, the years you're asking for um, tax relief from penalties are. 2020, 2019, and 2018? Yes. Is that, yes. 
No, actually, uh, sorry, Deputy Mayor, it's 2017, 2018, 2019. We have not uh, applied any penalties for 2020 as of this year, as you know, uh, that uh, occurs uh, later in the year. Um, okay, um, Mr. Hatchie's aware of the 2020 um, uh, possibilities for tax uh, relief, deferral pen of penalties? Yeah, there's quite a bit of penalties from uh, both of things. Uh, what's the difference between the tax owing and the penalties? Just, just so I have the numbers to kind of in my head here. Uh, I don't have the numbers with me, but it's it's probably close to around six thousand penalties. Uh, Mr. Schramm can uh, actually give you those that numbers between the outstanding penalties now. Yeah, I'll look that up right away. Mr. Good. Uh, well, Mr. Schramm is looking that up. Mr. Hashi, do you have other properties in Peace River as well as that one? Okay, I'm having a lot of trouble hearing that. Oh, uh, try to be a little louder. Do you have other properties in Peace River as well as that one? Yes, I have another property there. On the other property, um, the taxes were paid on that one? Yes. Was, do you have, like, just so I have a bit more clarity, why would they be paid on that one and not this one? I don't know what happened. Uh, it had something to do with uh, uh, when they remortgaged, when the mortgage come due and they remortgaged. Both properties were, you know, usually the bank holds back the money for the mortgages. And I don't know what happened to this property, why it changed. Somehow something changed and they weren't withholding uh, money for the taxes. So the other property was paid through the bank and this one property wasn't. So just, just so I'm clear, so normally your taxes, like my, the, the way I have it on my own mortgage is that the bank basically takes care of it for me and I don't normally worry about it. Is that what you had understood was in place for the, for the mortgages that you had for both of them? Yes. Thank you. Is there um, a possibility of getting documentation from your mortgage providers that some somewhere where we can like, it's just that the last time we had a, a presentation of this nature, there was a lot of accompanying documentation around, you know, why addresses, and in that case, it was an address mix up, whatever, but, but why, you know, something kind of, kind of occurred or, or not. Uh, I could uh, try to contact the bank and, and just to send you some documentation on that property. I'm not. I'm not in Peace River right now. I'm in. I'm on Sunshine Coast since this uh, this COVID. 
questions we'll uh, we'll wrap that up and uh, decision will be made later on um, I don't see a, uh, a slot mr. Parker where we've uh, where we're under new business where we're making a decision on that I suppose uh, um, if we did made a decision on that today, we wouldn't have time to review any documentation you might send in. But. And for the uh, question concerning the penalties, uh, I have uh, 45, 63, 42 uh, in penalties so far, and approximately just over $12,000 in outstanding taxes. Okay. Does that include 2020 then, Mr. Parker, now or not? It does, it does include 2020, but it, there's no penalties on 2020. It's just, uh, yeah, that's the total amount. If you uh, do make a decision on this, how will you get old? Uh, Mr. Mr. Parker will either email you or call you, he'll, he'll probably put something down there writing. So more than likely, if he has your email, he'll uh, email you. Uh, you have my email address? I do. Yeah, you do need to make sure you got the right one, please. I'm sorry, pardon me? He just wants you to read back his email address so he can confirm that you have the proper one. Second, uh, I could if you wish, Mr. Parker. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Because I have Donald H at yahoo.ca. Yes, yeah. Donald with two O's. Yes, yes, that's the proper address. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you, uh, Mr. Gutchin. Uh, that uh, then takes us to uh, bylaws. Are there any bylaws to be reviewed, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Okay, very good. Um, I see there's no unfinished business. That is correct, Your Worship. That takes us to new business. We have a request for direction on the accessibility program. Uh, Mr. Hatchie, is it all right if I end the call there, sir? Uh, yeah, do you do you want documentation from the bank? Yeah, uh, forward that stuff on to admin um, so we can, the more we have, the better decision we can make. Okay, can you uh, send me to an email uh, regarding what you want? Like I'm still not clear of exactly what you want. Just, yeah, just anything from your bank indicating that you had the mortgages or the taxes paid by them and, and what potentially might have changed. Otherwise, it just helps us make a make a decision when we go to make one. Okay. If you um, can, if you can find it, you know what I mean. Like it's. Yeah. I could. I'll talk to the bank manager see if he could maybe uh, draft you up a, a statement or, or some sort. Sure, that would be helpful. Okay. Okay. Have a good Thank evening, sir. Bye bye. You too. Thank you.
Uh, Ms. Modi, are you taking care of the accessibility file? Yes, I'm here to present on the accessibility request for direction. So uh, this request for direction comes um, after our, our presentation uh, at the last council meeting uh, from Voices of Albertans with Disabilities. And it's administration's attempt to flush out um, some of the issues surrounding accessibility in the Town of Peace River, uh, where the town stands, uh, what legislation is relevant and um, what we're doing right now and what we could potentially be doing in the future if council chooses to provide us with that direction. Um, so I do want to note that uh, the town has received some concerns from the community around accessibility um, in our town, in particular around the pedestrian environment of Main Street, as well as the accessible transportation op options within the town of Peace River. Um, and we obviously at the moment, we don't have a good handle on how many people within the town have a disability, but if we take the Stats Canada numbers, um, then we could have over a thousand residents that have some form of a disability and what those disabilities looks like varies uh, to a great degree um, and they impact different portions of people's lives. But uh, it definitely accessibility as a whole is, um, is something that affects um, all of us at some point in our lives. Um, and it affects many of the residents in the town. As of right now, the town doesn't have a history of having a very strategic approach to accessibility. Uh, definitely most of the town departments have played some um, role in responding to accessibility concerns, but they've been on more of an ad hoc or a request basis rather than a strategic basis where we take an overview of our systems in town and try and make sure that they're accessible. Some of the current or the more recent uh, improvements to accessibility that we've had in the town include our new Baytex Energy Center, which definitely is an improvement compared to the old arena from an accessibility perspective, uh, as well as improvements in the parking lot of that area that provide access to both the arena and the pool. Uh, our new medical clinic up on the West Hill is also a significant improvement in terms of accessibility compared to the, to the clinic that was operating downtown. Um, in 2017, the pool also received a, a mobile lift and a PVC pool wheelchair to allow for an improved access to the pool facility. And Council has had conversations around accessibility in the not too distant past. Uh, previously, we had presentations from the Canadian Paraplegic Association that did identify some concerns in town and some of those have been dealt with, uh, but not all. And there are certainly opportunities to expand our approach to improving accessibility in town. Uh, however, I do wanna acknowledge that uh, we have a lot of work to do if we wanna go down this path, but uh, a lot of that work is very similar to many other communities in Alberta. Um, a, a survey completed in 2019 by the Voices of Albertans with Disabilities found that the larger the population of a municipality, the more likely they had formal policies in place that dealt with accessibility and also had a more proactive approach to their accessibility. So in being a smaller urban municipality, I think that we're not um, unlike many others in terms of the degree to which we've been able to deal with accessibility issues in town. Uh, but there are opportunities for us to move forward uh, if we want to devote the ta staff time and resources to, to, towards that direction. 
Uh, so some of the legislation that's relevant to accessibility include, includes the uh, Canadian Hum Human Rights Act, uh, which makes it illegal for federally regulated employers and service providers to discriminate against people or treat them unfairly on the grounds of a disability. So it does not apply directly to the town per se, but it does set the bar, set the standard um, for which we, we need to aspire. Um, the federal government has moved forward and increased their focus on accessibility through the Accessibility Canada Act, which was just uh, received assent in 2019. And that applies to the federal government, including crown corporations and, and some service providers that we have in the town, such as a post office, um, that do have some accessibility provisions into their building, but not necessarily to today's standards. And those organizations require that those entities do create accessibility plans to uh, establish strategies for improving accessibility and meeting their legal duties. So we have some federal examples for what some of the uh, accessibility work could look like. So some things that we could look to uh, if we decide to, to try and develop a more strategic approach to accessibility. Um, the Alberta Human Rights Act also protects members of the public against discrimination when they use government services. And it also establishes our requirement or our duty to accommodate. Um, if we do have spaces that are not as accessible, then we do have a duty to accommodate to try and make the service or the building or whatever the situation is um, accessible to that person. Um, the Alberta Building Code also works to improve the accessibility of our, our province but it specifically applies more generally to new builds um, or places that are undergoing renovation um, or changes of use. So this is a challenge in the town of Peace River and, and many other smaller places where we don't have as much new build going on uh, and a lot of our building stock is older and it's a challenge to upgrade those buildings. Um, the, however, we do have some provincial examples of provinces that are trying to push the envelope more on accessibility, specifically Ontario, Nova Scotia, Quebec and Manitoba all have provincial accessibility acts that create requirements, including for municipalities on how they need to strategically plan for and improve accessibility in their communities. Um, typically those acts identify five key areas that are the focus of the improvements and they all apply uh, to the municipality and our services and our, our operations. So those key areas are goods and services, the built environment, information and communications, employment and transportation. And right now we wanna highlight some of the things that we are doing right now that will work to improve accessibility in the town. Uh, first of all, and since 2018, we've had the Safe Sidewalks Annual Maintenance Program. And so that uh, involves safe sidewalks coming to town and improving the uh, condition of our sidewalk network. Typically it's maintenance involving grinding on the sidewalks to remove trip hazards. Um, however, there was a limitation to their original work which identified the state of our sidewalk network. It didn't actually take a look at the overall uh, sidewalk and pedestrian trail network in town. and think about how that provides coverage and access to our community as a whole. Um, nor did it take a look at the presence or lack thereof of curb cuts, which provides accessibility onto the sidewalk network for people who have reduced mobility. Uh, another initiative that we're doing right now is to take a look at the disabled, uh, the parking spaces for persons with disabilities within the downtown. 
Um, we do have one parking space right now that does provide a curb cut onto the sidewalk. Unfortunately, the, the line painting associated with it is, uh, is not to standard. So we're taking a look at some of those parking stalls and making sure that we're doing our best at making to have the line painting on the street uh, to the standard that's provided within the Alberta Building Code. And we're working on that actively right now. Within the next few weeks, we expect to have some improved uh, parking stalls on main or within the downtown area. Uh, for persons with disabilities. Uh, another thing that the town staff has done this year was to apply for the Enabling Accessibility Fund, uh, which is a federal grant. And we've applied for $100,000 of grant funding that would allow us to make some renovations to the town office that would improve the ability of the town office to um, allow people, especially up into council chambers, uh, people with reduced mobility. So we would be working on um, ramps into the building and activators on the doors in places where they are not right now, and as well as a lift uh, that would take people up to the community services floor of the town office, which is also where council chambers is. Uh, so we're hoping to receive that grant and we should find out sometime between September and December of this year. And there's opportunities if we don't get it this year to apply again. Um, this is an annual grant and we can reapply every two years. Another thing that the town staff is looking at at the moment is the accessible meeting requirements form. So pursuant to the Alberta Human Rights Act, we do have the duty to accommodate to provide access to government programs and meetings. Um, so if we don't have an ability for people to explain to us how they need to access uh, our meetings, then we don't have the option or we don't make it easy for them to access them. So we're developing um, a form based on the Voices of Alberta Voices of Albertans with Disabilities meeting form that provides people the opportunity to tell us how they need to be accommodated to attend our, our council meetings. And then once we do that, hopefully we can expand that further into the organization, but first step being council. So we're actively working on that at this moment as well. Um, two more, we've got our land use bylaw refresh is going on right now, and it's an opportunity for us to integrate um, barrier-free design guidelines into the bylaw to make sure that when we're at the development stage of a, develop of a, of a development, that we um, ensure that the accessibility lens is applied to the review of the development application. And then finally, we have our taxi bylaw and the taxi pass program. And our taxi bylaw does currently specifically state uh, or address people with disabilities and ensure that no person may be refused service on the basis of their disability. And there are a, a few further points related to, um, to per access for people with disabilities. And we do know at this time in the town, there is one taxi company that has one accessible vehicle. So there is limited provision for accessible um, transportation services in the town at this time. And our taxi pass program, um, it does provide increased access to our taxi services within town, but specifically for people with a lower income. Um, however, it doesn't address specifically providing increased access to the taxi services for people who have very limited transportation options on the basis of their disability. So that could be something that we address in the future. So based on our review of all this information, we've also identified a number of projects that staff could undertake in the future. And uh, I do mean over a number of years, there's a lot of work identified within this list and we certainly can't undertake it all at once um, as we have other responsibilities that we'll have to continue to, to uh, work on. Uh, but this is a bunch of different projects that we could start working on in 2021. 
And I want to acknowledge that based on the information that we had looking at the other provinces, Ontario, Nova Scotia, Manitoba, and Quebec, one of the key uh, best practices that comes out of that is uh, the establishment of an accessible advisory committee that provides advice to council on identifying, preventing, and eliminating barriers for persons with disabilities. And if we were to move forward with many of these projects, then we could strike one of these committees that would provide advice and input into the projects as it's important to have representation from the community we're trying to serve. So the projects that we've identified, and there are seven of them, the first is an accessibility audit of Main Street, which gets to the key critique that we had uh, kind of at the beginning of this conversation. And that would be to identify elements within the area's accessibility and to provide remedies to improve the accessibility of Main Street. So that means our public realm, the sidewalk, and then also possibly identifying um, our local businesses and the degree to which those businesses on Main Street are accessible. And that would be led by planning with input from engineering and would require that we uh, undertake some research and training with respect to accessibility standards, or otherwise get some input from an accessibility expert to inform the contents of the project. Uh, the second potential project would be a review of parking designated for persons with disabilities within our downtown. Uh, the town has a, a good number of parking spaces within the downtown, uh, over 300. But, and we have 14 of those designated for persons with disabilities. And we also have an additional three to 400 off-street parking spaces in public parking lots. Uh, but none of the parking spaces in the off-street parking lots are designated for persons with disabilities. Um, based on the numbers that we do have on street, we do meet the ratio required by the Alberta Building Code, which would be, we would need a minimum of seven to meet the Alberta Building Code requirements. But as you can see in figure two on page six of the request for direction, uh, the parking spaces are distributed very unequally within the downtown, primarily to the southern part of downtown with very little in, in northern downtown area. So a re review of the parking spaces would allow us to ensure that the distribution is makes sense as well as the quality of the parking spaces. And this would, would be another project that would be led by planning uh, with input from engineering. And uh, if we were to get to the end of the project and have recommendations, then we would need funding to make some of the changes um, to ensure that we had a good quality parking for persons with disabilities. The third project would be a sidewalk network analysis that would kind of pick up where the safe sidewalks analysis left off and identify where the sidewalk network is deficient in terms of its extent or access onto it. Again, that would be a project that would be led by planning with input from engineering. Our fourth potential project is a municipality access grant. So in the same way that we're accessing a federal grant, the town could establish a municipal grant that could be accessed by um, local businesses and building owners to improve the accessibility of their building. Um, the details of the grant would be developed by administration if council wants to pursue this type of program. Uh, but based on the information that we have from the, the amount of money that would take to implement some of the improvements at the town office, um, we recommend that a minimum of $30,000 would be dedicated to this type of grant to give us enough money to provide some real substantive um, support to local businesses in making those changes. 
Uh, the fifth possible project relates to accessible transportation, and it could be either a review of local taxi services and the taxi bylaw with an accessibility lens, or, or in addition, um, a review of a possible paratransit or handy bus service in, in Peace River. So in Ontario, their Accessibility Act directs that every municipality shall consult with its Municipal Accessible Advisory Committee to determine the proportion of on-demand accessible taxi cabs required in the community. That kind of conversation could be had if we do a review of the taxi pass bylaw. Um, as we've noted, we don't have that corresponding Accessibility Act here, um, but a review of the local taxi service and taxi bylaw would ensure that the town is doing what we can to ensure an accessible transportation service within the town of Peace River. And that type of review would be led by uh, community services and bylaw enforcement. Um, and alternatively or additionally, the town could also reevaluate um, the scale and scope of what would be required to develop a paratransit service. So we did take a look at a transit service in 2014 um, when we completed our market and opportunities report for a municipal transportation service. But that report really focused on providing a municipal transportation options that were for a broader segment of our population. So we weren't focused exclusively on persons with disabilities. And ultimately it concluded that the taxi pass program that we have today provided the best level of service for the most efficient cost, um, but that, report also acknowledged that the taxi pass wasn't necessarily the best for tackling the needs of persons with disabilities from a transportation perspective. So we could go back and take a look at what it would require to do a paratransit service uh, in the town of Peace River. And that again would be led by community services. Last two, um, a town website accessibility audit. So there are uh, worldwide web, uh, web standards and those include web accessibility, standards and the town's website could be reviewed based on those standards and um, improvements made to our website to ensure that it is more accessible. That project scope would be developed by the communications coordinator and the systems administrator and would likely require funding, especially for plugins that could improve the accessibility of our website. And finally, and um, the, the largest um, would be to develop an accessibility statement of commitment, accessibility policies and an accessibility plan. So those three components are what the legislation in Ontario and Manitoba and Nova Scotia require municipalities to develop. So we could take that model and apply it here to ourselves. Um, this is definitely a plan that could span the scope of municipal operations and it would definitely require a larger strategic and corporate approach to accessibility and ideally if council is interested in this type of plan then uh, we would recommend that it be integrated into the next council terms strategic plan. So we have proposed a prioritization of these projects um, where we basically have prioritized them on a one to four scale. Our proposal would be to do project one and four, potentially in, in, the very, in the near future, at least initiate them, get them going. And then projects two, um, five and six in the new year. And then three, project three would be in 2022 to try and space out the work. Um, and then 
we see the last project, the accessibility statement of commitment, the policies and the plan would be um, later in 2023 or beyond based on council strategic planning. So council or administration would request that council identify um, if any of the seven accessibility projects are um, ones that administration should pursue and also identify if council agrees with the proposed prioritization. And we would also appreciate a direction as to whether council is interested in establishing an accessible advisory committee to provide feedback on accessibility projects, uh, the degree to which council wants to pursue a number of accessibility projects probably increases the, the role that that committee could have. So if there's not a lot of desire to do many projects, then a committee doesn't make as much sense. But if we do want to do many, then having that leadership and that guidance from that committee could be very helpful. And then we would also ask that council direct um, administration to incorporate accessibility projects as corresponds with the priorities that um, you identify under request one as part of the 2021 budget. So I can take any questions. I know it was a lot. <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. Ford. Go ahead. Uh, Alicia, in your presentation, you were speaking about a, a taxi company and an accessible vehicle. Are you talking like a, a vehicle that has a lift in it? Like for wheelchair accessibility? My understanding um, is that it is a minivan that is accessible so that a person does not have to exit their wheelchair to enter to the vehicle. So they can enter the vehicle with their wheelchair. Okay, because we do have two other businesses in town that do provide um, non-emergent medical transport, one being APL and one being Alberta Health Services. So can we somewhat maybe tie them into the taxi part of the program? Because that's what they're currently doing. Yeah, if we did a taxi related project, then they might be stakeholders that would be relevant to that project. Mr. Scaramore. Okay, thanks. Um, <clears throat> good work on the, this very comprehensive document there that you just went through. Um, is it possible to also include, like we have different neighborhoods in town, some neighborhoods are also more accessible than others. Uh, so maybe, perhaps for people relocating to Peace River, um, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if I had, let's say, mobility issues to move into, say, Shaftesbury Estates, because it is not very walking accessible, but, you know, to live in the downtown or maybe the north end or something like that or the south end, you know, some neighborhoods are just easier to get to services than others. So, so uh, that might be perhaps something we could include as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Um, definitely, I think that would definitely come out if we did a sidewalk network analysis. It would come pretty clear at that point. Deputy Mayor. Um, so uh, Alicia, I was particularly interested in that little diagram you had with respect to um, the cement uh, lift onto the um, sidewalk from pavement to sidewalk. Um, I would be surprised if very many, if any of ours really fit that uh, standard. 
Like I, I'm just, and in particular, I, I uh, caught my eye because um, a couple years ago, I think we had a discussion down by the pool area. Some people coming off those sidewalks and their experience is it's slanted a bit. They go into the dip where the curb still is and then up to the cement or the pavement part again. So I guess I, I would throw in that um, maybe prioritizing some of the sidewalks around our public uh, facilities uh, for some aspects. I guess I, I'm, um, there's so much here that I, I don't know um, how to even make a recommendation or what I would think to, to recommend tonight without uh, some, sometimes a little bit more um, information and other times, well, yes, it could be there, but it's a budget matter too, you know, so. Mr. Needham, you have a question? Uh, I had a meeting and I see two other counselors ha had their hands up and I think I'm in front of them, but I'll, I'll jump the queue. Uh, Alicia, could you just talk a little more about uh, the program and your vision and private business? Uh, I was somewhat uh, startled to find out Alberta Registry's new business, new vendor, and they don't have wheelchair access? Like, what the hell? Uh, so... Are you suggesting that we would do an audit, we would identify that, and then we would cost share that? Um, I'm a little bit of both. So there's two projects where we might, I think for the first project where we're just doing an accessibility audit of Main Street, we might do a really cursory analysis of just identifying which businesses are and are not accessible, but I don't think it would get too much in depth because I think our main focus there would be the built environment that the town is responsible for, the sidewalks and, and that sort of thing. Um, on the flip side, there is the, um, the grant project, which we could potentially do. And there I would see that the proposal at least is to do something very similar to what the federal government has, where in this case it would be businesses or building owners who would be able to apply to the town for funding specifically to help improve the accessibility of the building or the business. And in that case, we would, the way it's framed right now, we would be providing funds to those businesses to, to improve their buildings so that they become more accessible. Okay, I, okay just a, a supplemental question, Your Worship, if I may. So, I've heard different numbers thrown around tonight. 100,000 grant here, 30,000 here. Uh, if, if you were to come forward for $100,000, is that going to get your wish list done in 2021? Like you, you, you threw out $30,000. That doesn't seem like a very big number. Well, I, the, so the $100,000 is the amount that we've applied for to the federal right. government. Which would and basically I mean, all go in the town office. Yeah. And the, the town office, I mean, admittedly, is a very old and strange building with many levels, and it's not as connected as many buildings. Um, 30,000 was what we felt would be a, a reasonable minimum number so that we could provide for at least more than one grant. You know, a door activator, um, Ruth can correct me if I'm wrong, as she did a lot of the research for that grant, but um, I think, you know, 10 grand or less is probably going to get you a door activator. So if we look at say a business on Main Street that has a primary entrance that doesn't have a door activator. So someone with, with reduced mobility can't 
easily access getting into the building, then you know we might be able to provide a grant to three different buildings, and, and that's in one year. Uh, ideally, this type of grant is something that we would do over a number of years, so it would be a part of the budget for an ongoing period of time. So it's it's not big dollars, but it's a start, which is way more than we've had in the past. In, and it provides an incentive to those businesses to put some money into their building. And kind of the intent here is, you know, uh, if we're waiting for them, because under the building code, they don't have to change anything until they change uh, the, something that under the code that would require them to change the building. And so if they change the entrance in some way or change the use of the building in some way, then they would have to make it conform to today's building code. But doesn't do anything during that period we're kind of the opinion that we'd like to encourage them to make these changes on their own but so by providing some incentive to do this uh might get some of those going sooner rather than and private businesses are also eligible for the federal funds so any program that alicia proposes could be done in conjunction with uh, the, you know, a requirement that they apply to the federal and they have to provide a matching, similar to what we do with the province. Um, Ms. Downing. Good evening, Alicia. Uh, following up on Byron's statement, it was a great report. I do appreciate the municipal grant accessibility uh, recap because I was like uh, Councillor Needham a little bit confused about that. I want to come back to the statements at the earlier at the top regarding the upcoming changes or the process that we're in with the land use bylaws. And if we write something into the land use bylaws, does that bump us ahead of topic or of um, item seven, our project mm -hmm. number seven, with regards to the accessibility statement and commitment? Like, does that are we trying to set the the um, groundwork for that idea? I mean, because I think that's a great place for us to start because Councillor Needham, Needham makes a good point about how, you know, we have a very important business in town that has no accessibility, right? So that's one thing. Um, also, the comments about costs, it's, it is a little hard to decide things without some costs because we, we have identified or we've had discussions regarding, um, you know, what our budget's going to look like for next year, ideally what our budget's going to look like for next year. And we would really need to know some of that before we moved ahead, I think. Um, but I, the way that this has been laid out with project numbers, um, with proposed pri uh, prioritization um, and sort of the when it's going to start, I think you guys have done a great job in regards to that. Um, and, um, you know, with a few add-ons, I think that this is a, a great plan. I would just need to know some numbers. Absolutely. And I think the, our intention um, in terms of the numbers is that we just kind of want to gauge council's interest in pursuing some of the projects. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, we recognize that some of the projects would definitely you know, we might want to proceed in principle, but we need to actually bring it through the budget process before it it becomes a thing that is absolutely happening. Um, so I think that if there are some projects in particular where council wants some budget numbers 
we can definitely bring that back at another meeting. This is definitely a request for direction. It's not a request for decision. And we know that this is the beginning of the conversation. By no means uh, is everything done. So we can identify what those projects are that you want some more budget numbers around and bring that back in the future. Um, in terms of your first question around the land use bylaw compared to project number seven, which is the accessibility plan, um, I, I think that the accessibility plan is actually something that's a lot larger than the land use bylaw. The land use bylaw is something that deals with our built environment, which is one of the five pillars that is addressed in those accessibility acts. Um, and it's a so it's a key component of the, of the planning process and and how our built environment moves changes in in going forward. Uh, but the accessibility plan can be a lot broader in terms of its scope and how it deals with all different aspects of municipal operations and our service delivery and all of that sort of stuff. So I think they are not exactly the same, but certainly one puts us into a better position as we go forward and, and want to do that accessibility plan. I, I think the power in doing the accessibility plan a little bit later on is it gives us a bit of an opportunity as an organization to learn as we do some of these smaller projects so we can get a better handle on accessibility and how we influence it corporately and and as an organization in the community. Um, but it's also, I mean, that would be the big one that would provide us ongoing future direction. But it, it would require a lot of work from the corporate side of things. And also I think we would at that point definitely need a consultant to at least provide us with some input and direction because accessibility is a very specific area and you need to have expertise. Dr. Jumeirah? Um, so, Ms. Modi, did you say that if it's a federal um, building, it needs to have an accessibility plan? That's my understanding based on the Accessibility Act, which just came into uh, effect in 2019. So it's relatively new, and I don't know how quickly that will filter down through all of the federal bodies. Um, so I, I would like to know if uh, a contract is issued for a federal project that is not in a federal building. Um, I don't know. Well, I'll go to the Alberta one. Does it work in Alberta that if you have an Alberta contract, there's some accessibility thing built into that contract? Because it seems weird that... Registries. Yeah. Anyways, that would be part of what I would like to learn about too. It's a good question. Mr. Good. Yeah, hi, uh, thank you very much for the work you did on the report. One area that, that I find um, maybe I'd like some more information on very seriously is the budget impacts of, of some of these and of some of these. There were some numbers put out, but one of the things that's becoming very clear with the province right now is the municipal minister of municipal affairs has been very very clear his comment and a quote is i am looking to prevent all councils in our province from taxing people more so one he said you're not going to be taxing people more and he's going to be prepared possibly to do something about that secondly they've minimized their grants to municipalities and they've cut down the amount of money that we're receiving from the provincial government into all of municipalities in terms of just about every grant going. Thirdly, we're seeing our neighbors being hit with reductions in the amount of assessment that they can 
um, that they can access with some, some of the effects that have been done on the on what they can assess. Madhu said that he believes that local governments are grown too big and they're not as efficient as they should be and they should be focusing on core services, roads, bridges, water, wastewater, garbage collection, etc. And one of the difficulties I, I see without having um, like step seven in here is to come up with a policy and a plan. And in a way to me that kind of necessitates having budget a budget amount ahead of time so that you know where you're going to get the biggest bang for the buck. I mean, it might be, for example, we can we could put, put a lot of money into our own sidewalks and you're correct, we could do that. And, and that might be a certain dollar where we could fix, fix all of our sidewalks. But we may find out that by providing incentives to uh, businesses in town, as you were talking about the door openers, that we may be able, be able to have an effect on more people for less dollars going that route. So I'm kind of uncomfortable with having the priorities set where they are now without having that kind of overall statement as to what we're trying to achieve, how we're going to achieve it, and then also the real reality of how we're going to do it with less dollars than we had last year and less dollars than we previously had. I mean, that's just the economic reality of Alberta going forward for a while. And I think that, I think we kind of have to address it in, in that light and that's not a comfortable thing for me to say. I mean, I spent the last 10 or 15 years finding it hard to get in, in and out of places and walk distances. So I have some empathy and in fact, a fair amount. But I think we are, I, I just don't know how to do this without having the numbers in front of us to kind of deal with. And it, we're getting into an area that we did not have responsibility for before we're being kind of told federally that they're going to start feeding that responsibility down to us is what I sort of gather. It goes from the feds to the provinces, to the municipalities. Um, I'm kind of rambling a bit here, but it really does boil down to, we have certain amount of dollars and I've seen this council literally agonize. I mean, people don't see it, but literally agonize over expenditures of four and $5,000. And, and even less than that, and take a look at something like this bill comes up for this amount of money. It's where do you get it from? Where do you put it from? And who do you say no to in order to accomplish that? And like I said, I just, I personally, I just need more kind of information around that area of the finances before I'm really prepared to commit to a direction. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Ms. Mooney, did you say that um, this year the present um, handicapped accessible uh, parking stalls are being looked at in terms of their their width, I guess, but not necessarily their accessibility to the sidewalk? Yeah, we're con we're double checking um, some of the our accessible locations to make sure that the painted the lines associated with the spot are appropriate. Um, that does not include curb cuts. We do have one curb cut where we know we absolutely need to update the paints lines associated with it because it doesn't have a, enough of an area to exit the vehicle and then access the sidewalk. Um, but and there's a couple other spots that we're looking at to make sure that they are good and there's enough space to exit the vehicle. But that's really step one. And that's not going to be for all of them. 
Um, most of our parking spots are signed and they've got the appropriate paint. Uh, curb cuts is really a big issue um, and where exactly to put them. That's something that I would see trying to tackle if we went down the road of project number two that reviews the, the, the parking stalls for disabled persons and, um, and might take a look at the location and we'd wanna confirm that where they are is appropriate and where we might want to add some or redistribute. So um, one of the uh, one of the things I notice about accessibility downtown is particularly in winter, and our uh, our uh, our storefronts are patchy in terms of in in, uh, in terms of how they keep their their part of the sidewalk clean. So I'm wondering if there um, is a possibility that we we could uh, designate a certain part of the commercial district that we would uh, do the sidewalks. But of course, we would pass that fee on to, uh, to, to the businesses associated with that commercial district. And but that would have a consistent that, that would be a consistent uh, access uh, it'll probably be done properly, um, that sort of thing. So I guess that's both a public works question, probably more a public works question. And then of course, uh, as we're planning it all out, uh, I would see a machine doing that for us, Mr. McQuaid, but uh, as we're uh, learning how to do that, we can also redesign the sidewalk as part of the sidewalk network analysis and, and uh, just the audit of downtown in terms of how to get a machine in there most efficiently and, and clean that uh, clean those sidewalks off. And that would probably be a boon to the uh, to the uh, to the uh, to the businesses because you know it, it ensures uh, walk walkability access to their stores. I'll let Mr. McQuaig answer, answer my question comment. So, yeah, and uh, so kind of working towards that on our number of fronts with our uh, sidewalk improvement program, naturally we want to try and tackle the, the worst sidewalks that we have in town. But uh, as we go through, we also have to, and this is what Alicia is kind of alluding to, is just kind of the overall accessibility study through town to making sure that sidewalk network that we're putting in is appropriate in that regard as well. With regards to uh, snow clearing during winter, we can definitely look at that within our capital program to, to purchase a piece of equipment to, to look at that as well. Mr. Good. I just want to speak to it uh, on that uh, from having a business downtown for a number of years is that one of the biggest difficulties you have, and I'm agreeing with you, Tom, that the sidewalk should be better. But one of the real difficulties, and it's a practical one that's faced by a lot of business, and especially the ones on Main Street, I believe, is you can take the snow off your sidewalk, but there's really no place to put it. I mean, if you're in the middle of the block, it's really impractical to carry the snow to the end of the block and find a place that 
to, to deposit the snow. And that, that occurs in front of so many businesses where the snow is off the sidewalk, but then it's piled up in between where people step out of their cars and they're going over those kind of snow hedgerows. So if that, if that could be um, addressed by some mechanical means or design means or even equipment means to assist in the removal of the snow from just in front of the sidewalk, that would be really helpful to the um, to the business owners. And I'm sure that it would probably very much improve their ability to keep their own sidewalks clean. So it's just a point that sometimes it's not because I think the businesses don't want to keep their sidewalks clean. It's just that you're trying to push the you're trying to push the snow over a hump that's already in front of your sidewalk, and when especially on Main Street, if the highways people don't come in and clean off the street, and they don't like to do it where the parking spots are, you're really trying to push it into a hill. So I'll just leave it at that. But I think that's part well, of what I we're talking think about having uh, having one provider do that, i.e., whether it be the town or some contractor. And then they're responsible for all the snow they take off and where they put it, because it doesn't help to take your snow down to the end of the block and put it in the uh, crosswalk, right? So, uh, which would be part of the sidewalk network. I think we're agreeing with each other on that. Uh, so, what I heard though is that council isn't ready to. Uh, because it was a request for a decision. So um, council wants to see some more information. Is that what you get from, from well, the discussion, Ms. Malik? Your Worship, it's a request for direction on this one, not a decision on this one. Oh, is that right? Well, I would, uh, I think you've, um, so we're not making a motion then? I guess not. Well, there is a part about the Accessibility Advisory Committee that they're also wondering about. Okay. So the first one was uh, uh, administration requests the council identify which of the seven identi identified accessibility focused projects administration should pursue, pursue and identify if council agrees with the proposed prioritization. So uh, given what Ms. Modi said, and she did uh, she did say, you know, three and four would be last or something to that effect. It wasn't quite in order, but uh, is anyone objecting to her prioritization? I think Ms. Downing used, and, and I think Mr. Gibbs said this as well, is that perhaps we should develop a, uh, a statement of commitment along with policies and plans first, because that then drives the budget. The strategic plan drives the budget. Uh, Your Worship, I would agree with that statement. Um, having said that, I think that how administration has set this up with regards to the accessibility statement, statement of commitment being on the next council's table is probably wise. Otherwise, it puts off a lot of the work that they could do for this year. So as an example, they could do that accessibility audit of Main Street. Sorry. And uh, they could also do the more further uh, investigation into the municipal accessibility grant. Okay, so we're agreed uh, with one. I don't hear any any dissenting views on that? Um, 
The second item was council indicated if there is interest in establishing an accessibility advisory committee to provide feedback and guidance to the accessibility focused projects. So you want to uh, strike that immediately, Ms. Money, or uh, I, I got the impression you wanted to wait a couple of years. Uh, no, I don't think I would want to wait a couple of years. I also don't know if immediately is the right thing. Um, I mean, if we're agreeing with priority one, then that means we're agreeing with two of the projects, which is good. Um, I think that it might be wise to bring back perhaps a sample terms of reference for council to take a look at. And so we can think a little bit more about how we would work with the committee uh, before we strike one or say we we're gonna do it right away. But we just wanna make sure that council is open to the possibility of working with the committee uh, rather than trying to do it everything kind of internally. Um, at least to begin with. So if we, if council does provide the direction that you, you have an interest in working with the committee, then we can try and flush out what that would look like to bring back to council for some information. Um, but ideally, the more projects we're doing, the more it makes sense, I think, to have a committee that provides those inputs. So. Okay. So. Uh, Any, when we part through this, that we're committing financial dollars to that, we would come back to council for a request for decision on that part. Okay, so uh, I think this is, this in some ways, Ms. Money is a mother with an apple pie question. No one's gonna say no, don't strike the committee. So uh, I think you can, you can assume that you've got to uh, go ahead for that. I'm not even gonna ask the rest of the counselors. <laughs> um, a trend as of late. <laughs> the council, council wish to make a motion directing administration to proceed with priority one and proceed with drafting the, the terms of reference. I'll, I'll make that motion just so that we're clear and we can all uh, democratically move on forward with this. There's a third item here that uh, council direct administration to incorporate accessibility projects as corresponds with the priorities identified by council pursuant to request one above into the 2021 budget. So I, how would you want to word that in a motion Ms. McQuaid or is that implied in the, uh, in what the motion that you put, you uh, suggested? Um, sorry, I don't have that document open, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, what I'll, I I'll move it, uh, Mrs. McQuaker. I'll, I'll move that uh, council um, direct administration to carry out uh, the three steps indicated uh, it, in, in the document, that being the, uh, the seven focus projects, uh, the uh, exploration of the terms of reference for an accessibility advisory committee, and to incorporate those projects into the uh, 2021 budget from part one. Okay, all in favor? Okay, we will now uh, move on to uh, request for direction on the municipal stimulus program projects. Thank you, Worship and Council. Uh, so this one here is around the municipal stimulus program. Uh, that was recently announced by the province. Uh, and, uh, this is uh, stimulus uh, spending that uh, is looking at reinvigorating 
front of me. You can uh, talk more directly into the microphone, Mr. McQuaid. You're you're breaking up when you uh, when you have your head down reading the paper, unfortunately. I will try to be a little louder and clearer, sir. So the municipal stimulus program that was outlined by the province uh, basically is uh, around stimulus spending to reinvigorate the economy and releasing uh, funds into the municipalities to uh, kind of accomplish shovel-ready work, more or less. Uh, but this work has to be completed by the end of 2022, but definitely underway within 2021. Uh, the projects that uh, we are looking at picking have to be back into the province for approval uh, by one October, 2020. So uh, with this one here, uh, we've put together a list of eligible projects that administration feels that uh, would uh, incorporate the best use of the municipal uh, stimulus program funding uh, presented, and which is 813K uh, that was uh, allocated for the town of Peace River. And this is just for capital projects and operating projects and operating funds uh, are uh, forthcoming under a separate program. So this is just continuing the capital side. So administration took a look at uh, various projects that we could uh, use this funding for in terms of priority. And, uh, and also we also looked at uh, where we could use these funds to supplement funds that we were projecting to accomplish under our 2021 budget already. So things like the asphalt pavement program that we, uh, for the overlay program that we do every year and sidewalk program was another one that we uh, looked at uh, doing every year. So it'd be a way for us to do a little more uh, work under those programs than we would normally have. So the first project, and uh, I had one question, I think it was from yourself, Deputy Mayor, earlier today that uh, under other proposed funding, what, the, what that constitutes. And so basically what that is looking for is uh, we're looking at uh, other funding programs or other grant programs that may be able to contribute to that. So that's, uh, could look at town funding, but primarily that was other grant, grant funding that we could incorporate to get those projects done. So uh, the first project was the Town of Peace River uh, Sanitary Trunk Line uh, project where it goes across the, the new bridge, which we are currently paying around $2 million. So uh, this one here, we felt that uh, might be able to uh, look at other grant funding to accomplish a portion or all of this program. So uh, we're constantly, or we're currently in uh, discussions at Alberta Transportation on possible programs with that. So uh, that's why we did not choose this one uh, for the MSP component. The second program was our uh, annual sidewalk replacement project where normally uh, I think we've, we're committing uh, $75,000 this year to that program. And we were gonna look at asking for that same amount in 2021 in the capital budget process. 
So we thought if we threw, took $100,000 of the MSP funding and added to this, we could get $175,000 worth of program, which would uh, look at uh, 662 meters of gutter, uh, turbine gutter and sidewalk replacement. The third project and probably the, the highest priority project we looked at on this was every year uh, we put on the Town of Peace River sand and salt shed uh, to bring us back in compliance with environment on our sand and salt storage. Uh, right now it's uncovered and we have no uh, ponding mitigation uh, for our sand and salt. So we are not in compliance right now. So we thought with this may be a good use of that money to bring us back into compliance. And it's one, uh, those projects I kind of put on year after year, but it kind of drops off in, in terms of other uh, higher priority projects. So this would be the one that I would identify would make this a little more achievable in the 2021 capital year. So for that, we we're looking at 600,000 of the MSP uh, funding for that and 800,000 uh, under our capital program uh, that would be uh, provided by the Town Peace River. The uh, next project, and I'm going to sequence um, those projects, but uh, Town of Peace River Saddleback Park was another one that uh, is on our uh, project uh, list from year to year but we thought that was a lower priority project compared to some of the others. And that's why that one wasn't chosen for MSP funding. So uh, when uh, we choose to, to look at that, we're still looking at you know $600,000 uh, to accomplish that plan, whether that be in the 2021 capital year or a future capital year. The Town of Peace River uh, Ski Hill Pump House Replacement this is one that uh, we looked at, but we thought there are other revenue streams that could provide uh, this funding. We had talked with council earlier this year that some options under this are uh, the ISF or the joint capital fund that this could be funded. But I think there, this is one of those projects that we kind of have to uh, have a further discussion on in terms of just the overall ski hill uh, facility and how how we're going forward with that one. And, and the last uh, project is the uh, ACP resurfacing project for 2021, our paving project that we normally be doing every year. Just adding an extra 100,000 to that project, 113,000. Okay, so I'm a little confused there because some you're put, uh, taking off and some you're not recommending, so on and so forth. So, what can you? Uh, what's your number one project for municipal stimulus uh, stimulus uh, funding? Would be the sand and salt shed, your worship. And uh, and your second priority would probably be the paving program, the overlay paving program. And the third priority would be the sidewalk replacement program. Okay. And, and so we only have three priorities, not 10. 
Those, those are the ones that administration are putting forth as their priorities. They may not be council's priorities. Oh, and they add up to the 813,000. They do, right? Okay. Well, uh, those are your priorities. They're my priorities, I guess. <laughs> well, are you, uh, are you open for questions, uh, Jim? Yep. Uh, so on the pavement, uh, it's an election year. So put some pavement down. Perhaps uh, I'll get a few more votes. Uh, but to be specific, uh, I mentioned this before. I know we've got all commercial districts, uh, Canadian Tires, No Frills, and Mighty Peace. That service road, I guess, for lack of a better road. So, is that in that number, or I, I suspect no is the answer. But how how can I get that on a list? So I, I hear from those property owners somewhat at least once a year. Uh, they do contribute significant dollars. Uh, we've all heard this argument many, many times. And in any case, that road is absolutely horrible. So what do I need to get it on your list? What do well, I need to do? Uh, so right now, the paving overlay program, this year, uh, what we did decide to do were look at three areas for paving improvement this year, but we realized we were only going to have funding to do one of them which is 75th Avenue, uh, which is the one that is out to tender right now for replacement. But we also have, we put into that tender uh, 74th and I think it was 73rd Avenues uh, to be, uh, to get pricing on. So that, that project is not committed to at this point, but those were the next in the priorities for that. Uh, so I guess, the, the long and short answer for your question is uh, basically uh, it can it can get onto the list, but it uh, looks at just overall priority for for those areas. Which streets get the most use, Mister Good? Oh, you're muted. I'm okay with the um, with the priorities, so I I have to put a second in on Colin's comments about the road in front of um, in front of the GM dealership and and Extra Foods because to some extent it's you, you there's a comment you know we want to do the ones that have the most use. Well, if you have speed bumps all the way down the road, it's not going to get a lot of use. If the speed bumps are out of the way, you might find that the use jumps up considerably and. To some extent, you know, while we don't try to achieve equality of outcome in all cases on council, we do, I think we should be aiming to some extent to equality of opportunity. And when all of your competitors are on really good shape roads, <clears throat> when all of your competitors are on, you know, kind of improved, and that hasn't been improved since I've moved here, and that's 20 years on my own case, that road hasn't really been improved. It's not really equality of opportunity. And I, I, so I, I'm just putting in a comment into sort of back calling up. I think that has to become what, if it's not one of our priorities, it does. 
The other part that I noticed in the in the report, though it hasn't been mentioned so far, is that there's a there's a quid pro quo being asked here. The government's going to give us eight hundred thousand dollars, but they've also put or however much money, but they've also put a quid pro quo in there that we have to do some stuff for them, and that's the red tape reduction and the improvements in the services that are provided. And without, I mean, I'm not going to be critical of town staff at all, and and I'm really not because I think uh, knowing them personally and having worked with them for years, they work really hard to do the best job that they can. But I have heard from businesses and from people looking at starting businesses that their perception is that that the town may be a little bit overzealous in protecting itself. And I'll put it that way. And having worked for the government, there's a tendency for a number of years, there's a tendency to, um, to sort of gather around the CYA flagpole and which you make sure that everything you're going to cover yourself. So I made this person jump through every single hoop. And unfortunately, making people jump through hoops does add time and effort to the applications and stuff like that. So I do understand it. But I think there's a real responsibility here for us to take these questions and to come up with real solid answers that are showing thought. One of them, what steps have been taken to make it easier to start up a new business? I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think we should know what it's going to look like at the end. What steps have we done to streamline the processes? Where where are we running into these bumps and what are what's causing them? So Councillor, can I just interrupt for a second? Sure. We actually have met one of the requirements. We That's actually right. have met one of the, we have met one of the requirements right now, which one of the programs that we've implemented earlier this year, uh, this summer, and that was basically the, the project for uh, the uh, cafes, street cafes, having the, the, the patio aspects. The process that we implemented, they didn't have to go through a long, tedious process. As a matter of fact, it was absolutely one of the most fantastic programs we ever did, and it meets their quality. Uh, did we speed up the process? Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we are looking at other options, uh, some other things, um, and so we, we believe we will meet the criteria one hundred percent. Uh, good. And, and a lot of the times what's being asked is needed. I understand that. But sometimes if it's needed, you can get it done a bit better. And I think that, that now this wasn't just sent to us. I mean, if this was just sent to us, I'd be really overly concerned. This was the same list sent out to every municipality in Alberta. But I think it's a really good quid pro quo because it's going to focus us, us and focus the municipalities on addressing some of this. So I just want to say that to the public that it's not just we're getting money from the province. They're asking us to deliver something here, too. And I really do appreciate that. So I'll leave it at that. Hi, Ms. Manser. Um, uh, first of all, I'd like to agree with Councillor Needham about the um, side uh, streets by, well, the, the dealership down to the railroad and a little past um, on the south side of that street. Um, quite a few years ago, 2013-14, uh, the other side of the road, um, what was the Ford dealership kind of around there was done and it was done to a standard that I think is a little heavier duty than the uh, ordinary side streets in town. So uh, I too would like to see that um, have some prioritization. I 
don't think there's enough money in this uh, one to do it. But my uh, second question or comment, um, the, so the 75th Avenue, was that not a neighborhood improvement part of things? No, 75th Avenue, uh, that uh, the infrastructure in there is in good shape. So basically, uh, when we look at those, but the pavement structure has kind of reached its life cycle, which in, in like 75th, we have to totally redo that one because uh, it's down where to where the base has been compromised as well. So now we have to strip that whole street out and redo it. But there's no requirement to do the infrastructure below it. So those are the ones that are good candidates for the pavement overlay project. Because they're not neighborhood improvement ones anymore. Uh, Okay, and so you're saying only one cul-de-sac can be done, not two, but we did have money for the previous one, did we not anyhow? We had 300,000, but it's going to take the majority of that just to do 75th. Uh, so, but what I have done in that same program too is uh, this year in the overlay, uh, the pavement overlay project is include all our water break paving as well. So all that gets taken care of. And our sidewalk uh, replacement program is also included into that program. So uh, it's kind of a threefold program that we're uh, tackling with, the, with this uh, current tender. And last question, um, the prioritization here, um, does it correspond to um, a five-year, 10-year capital plan? Like these things were on par parts of them were on it but they were and at some point you know I think what we'll have to do is an overall uh, pavement uh, assessment program for the whole town uh, to kind of catalog that whole program and come up like we had a three-year program that uh, and this was one that we knew that we had to do as part of the program. Is that, you got some pizza for me? Okay. Yeah, just let me know where you yeah, Thank you, uh, Mr. McQuaig. <laughs> um, very good. Um, so uh, the priorities remain, uh, from what I heard, the priorities have to remain. So we've, we've come this far. You don't have much more time to put in these uh, these projects for the uh, municipal stimulus money, so we uh, we have to go with the priorities: uh, sand and salt shed, the paving project, and the sidewalk. Correct. The, the one last piece I'll kind of uh, end off with too, this does not preclude us from seeking other grant monies uh, to, that we can put in with the MSP funding, uh, but the, the direction is that we have to secure the MSP funding first and have those pro projects approved first before we can chase other further funding for it. But our intent is to, uh, now that we've got those defined as our priorities, and those are the projects that we're going to submit. Uh, once the, we have those ones approved, you know, we'll still be working hard to chase other grant funding uh, to kind of offset those costs as well. And if if that uh, if we can find other grant funding, we can do more. So this wasn't a request for a direction. This was a confirmation of direction. 
Well, it's a request for direction on the priorities that uh, administration thought. So as long as uh, uh, council are okay with the direction that we're taking, I think that's what we need. So we're spending about $2 million in total then with these three? That would be correct. But uh, keep in mind, like this is uh, the monies that we're committing on our behalf are ones that we were looking at uh, going forward in our 2021 capital budget right now. It's kind of like buying shoes that pay less, Ms. Manzer. You have to you have to buy some before you get the discount. Oh, I see. Okay, well, we just hope there's still something in the store next to the two. Um, Mr. Mayor, I would make a, a put forward a motion that um, administration proceed with um, uh, MSP uh, applications for priorities one, two, and three. And if in the motion they're actually listed as to what those are, I can do that. Yeah, and salt and paving and sidewalk. Okay, all in favor? Okay, passed. Just leave it at the door. Okay, uh, so we, we've got a briefing note. Uh, I believe you're handling this, Mr. Parker. This is on the uh, temporary face, or basically I call it the mass bylaw. So which may be uh, why we have an audience uh, tonight on YouTube. Go oh, on to the main event, as they say. Sorry. So first of all, I'm going to have to apologize to council. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why I, I think I have to offer you guys a little apology. It's because uh, we have three different types of documents. And I'm just going to do a little preamble of council. Just allow me for a moment. And these three documents that we usually bring forward is uh, request for direction, request for decision, and briefing notes. And uh, so what happens, we put together a briefing note. Um, and the difference between the three is, is when you, you have something that you definitely want to move forward with, you ask for, hey, um, we have a request for decision. And we ask for council to actually make a motion to let's move forward with a particular decision that uh, uh, maybe we've been discussing for a period of time. Whereas direction, uh, anybody who had been listening for this last little bit, they, they saw two little requests for directions. Not quite sure. We, we have a pretty good idea where we want to go. We just want to make sure it's council is on side with the concepts. And then if they, they are, then we, we move forward with, um, you know, a let's move forward with this type of direction. And then the final one is a briefing note. And a briefing note basically is just to bring some information to council uh, about different types of topics. And uh, as you have seen, uh, the uh, issue that we have before us is the uh, uh, temporary face uh, mask uh, covering bylaw. And um, the issue was, is because we put the word bylaw into the topic, um, what, what's happened here is a lot of people feel, um, because when they see the uh, four attachments, that we're actually looking to talk about passing a bylaw tonight, which is further from the case. The, the whole purpose of this uh, briefing note is actually bring this concept forward before council for them to discuss and to see, okay, hey, look, um, this is some information that is out there. There's some advantages, there's some disadvantages. Uh, here's what a, a possible uh, temporary face covering bylaw would look like if we uh, wanted to bring one in. 
Um, but unfortunately, people felt that we were going to be passing one tonight, and that was not the intention at all from administration. Uh, administration was just to bring this information forward, have a, a discussion uh, with council, go through some of the, the pros and the cons, and uh, just, you know, look at, uh, you know, is there, is council interested in pursuing moving going forward? And if council wasn't uh, interested in going forward, the first thing administration would be literally discussing would be a um, consultation period. And we would be looking at the very, at the very, very most for this evening is just, let's do a 30 day consultation period concerning this uh, concept more than anything else, not to pass, not to do first reading of, uh, of this bylaw. Um, and our mistake is, is I should have taken off the number and shouldn't have been a, a number there because I, I didn't want to confuse people more than I did. And so therefore, um, I do have to apologize to council about that. So with that, I will um, move on with this uh, um, a briefing note. And uh, just uh, basically um, try and guide uh, council through it a little bit and uh, try and create a little bit of discussion and see how we uh, move forward from that point right there. So um, I'm not gonna read the briefing note um, to each and every counselor because obviously you had it for the weekend. And there was also the couple of attachments that we sent last week prior, and that was the Alberta Health Services Scientific Advisory Group Report on Community Masking and the World Health Organization recommendations on mask use. Um, but basically the couple of two new pieces that we had not sent off was the actual, um, uh, uh, what could a bylaw possibly look like if you were interested in it? And then also, um, you know, if we were to go out and go and get uh, information from the public, which we recommend before we do anything, um, here would be some draft questions. And would there be any other questions if council was interested that they would like added to the actual uh, public review and comment period? So I know I spoke a little fast here and a little excitable, but uh, I hope I didn't lose anyone here. So uh, basically, uh, as we all know that we've been in this uh, COVID-19 uh, um, situation for quite a while. And uh, we have noticed that uh, there has been some debates uh, across the province, if not across basically the continent. Um, uh, what, should people be wearing masks? And if so, who should be telling them they should be wearing masks? and what type of mass and everything. So this is uh, basically why we put together this briefing note and uh, um, we tried to give as many pros and cons uh, for each and everything. Um, there is those, like I said, those two documents that we provided that give you a, a quite a bit of information and pros and cons. Um, so with that, I think uh, your worship, if there's anything specific you'd like me to talk about, I will uh, carry on at that point. But. I think uh, we've all had an opportunity to read this and uh, let's it's time for council to give their opinion what they think. Okay, uh, questions, comments from Mr. Parker? Um, well. If you um, well, uh, thanks for all the documentation. Um, first of all, uh, I'm of the opinion that we should follow AHS's um, guidelines. And um, I'll state that the, the province has decided what to do in schools with uh, K 
K to 12 students with respect to masks and face coverings. Uh, maybe the province uh, could become more active to help municipalities. However, be, being what it is, we're having this discussion. So I agree that we should have a, a fairly um, good discussion consultation um, process. Um, this affects every individual um, that would be in our town. Um, and it affects some in, in different ways. Some have medical issues that, uh, you know, they can't wear masks. Um, and I think that the education aspect of the whole mask thing still needs to be uh, continuously brought forward. Um, we uh, don't want to get into a situation where uh, perhaps store owners um, try to enforce this and then we say to them, well, we're not sure what our backup enforcement is to help you. Like that aspect of it needs to be worked out too. Are we wanting a bylaw that uh, says this will be enforced and this is the, the um, uh, penalty if uh, certain um, residents don't follow the guideline? Um, are we really meaning that we're gonna follow through? So I, I like the idea of the consultation. I have some questions about the, um, the document that was provided to us as some possible questions to ask people, but I could ask those later. So my feeling is um, we, this is a good time to have the discussion. It's out there. We know that certain municipalities are making their own um, uh, rules, call them bylaws or um, suggestions to their public as to what they should do. I think businesses, our businesses need to be involved in the process as well. So thank you. Ms. Downey. Thank you, Your Worship uh, and Mr. Parker on this presentation. Uh, I do think that this is a timely uh, discussion. This is obviously an issue as was pointed out that is uh, very much in the news and in the public eye. Uh, having said that, I agree with Deputy Mayor Manzer regarding our, our whole process during our pandemic has been to follow AHS's lead. It's their wheelhouse. Uh, they're the experts. And, and, I, and I, I've heard all the comments about, you know, pros and cons, and I think we're still learning as we go along. But at this point, I think there's real value in us continuing to follow AHS's lead in this situation. Having said that, I think this is a prime opportunity for us to enter into some positive health messaging around, uh, around mask wearing and the value that it brings to our community and our community members um, with the information, with the current information that's available. And this might be an opportunity for us to partner with our chamber and have the businesses and the town work with their community to, to create some positive messaging regarding mask wearing and allowing um, people to come on board. I feel like uh, dragging people on board through a bylaw is probably not in our best interest. And, and at this point, the real value is, is bringing people to the table, thinking that this is what's best for them and the community um, in, a, in a manner that we can uh, 
go forward following Alberta Health Services leads. So that's where I stand on the situation. And I think that, you know, partnering with, say, the Chamber of Commerce might be in our best interest at this point. Mr. Ford? I am also in agreement with Deputy Mayor Manzer and Councillor Downing. Um, I don't think this is this bylaw is in our best interest right now. Um, not only will it affect the businesses in town, it'll affect the whole region. Um, I think the only way that a bylaw or something like this would work um, would it would have to be done regionally, like our all of our surrounding municipalities would have to participate. But that's not a decision decision for us to make. I think that's a decision for Alberta Health Services to make if those uh, numbers start skyrocketing. Okay. Mr. Good. Um, well, I would like to uh, mention to Mr. Parker that I really did appreciate the addition of the um, COVID-19 Scientific Advisory Group Rapid Response Report. I had never seen one of these before, so I before and I took liberty of reading a couple of other of their rapid response reports that they've done on other issues in the past. And the amount of detail in there was probably more than I have seen in any one place. And it was way more, I'll be honest with you, with my trust level sometimes of government being waning and sometimes good, I was incredibly impressed with the even-handedness of it. And I was also impressed by the even-handedness of the report from the World Health Organization. I know there's people who have differing views on, on the World Health Organization and, well, and also on Alberta Health. But I think I, what I would recommend to people is it's up on our website. Take the time to read those two reports. Um, I think the idea of public involvement is absolutely necessary, especially with our businesses. If it's you know, one of the things I've noticed over my years in council is that often council becomes the tool by which one group wants the other wants us to tell the other group how they should behave. And it's one one sided or the other it could be red and blue paint one side wants red one side wants blue and they want to tell want us to tell the other guys, you're going to have to live with red or blue paint. And I think in a, in a situation like this, especially when after the reading I've done has shown that there are, very, there are very strong potential benefits to masking. There are some downsides to masking. There are people who should definitely not mask. There are people who should. I mean, I'm a masker. If I'm going to go into a, this is personal. If I'm going to go into a place where I can't social distance, I'll wear a mask. Am I terrified of coronavirus? Heck no. I go to work and I go shopping. I do those things. I'm not going to let it run my life. But uh, to me, it's a minor inconvenience. It may be a major inconvenience to others. But I think if we're going, to, if the businesses want us to do something like that, then we have to have them on side publicly that that is what they want. If the public wants us to do something about it, then I think we want the public actively on side with what we're doing in a case of this, especially as I say where to some extent the jury is out. But I really do appreciate the information you put together um, I, the idea of going to a public involvement, I think is necessary if we're going to do anything at all. So without that, I wouldn't be prepared to do anything. Mr. Needham. I've been a, uh, a great, a great viewer of, uh, of 
Dr. Hinshaw since about March the 15th. Uh, aren't too many daily briefings that I miss. Town of Peace River and many other have been following the public health orders. Uh, we should continue to do so. We're in stage three. Uh, we're in state, stage, state, you know, potentially, I guess there's five phases. Uh, to do a bylaw and get ahead of this thing, I, I, I just, I, I don't see it. Um, are we in a crisis situation with COVID? Yes, we are globally. Uh, locally, like many of the other counselors, when I get out, I, I wear a mask. Uh, certainly, uh, the, my political supporters that I've talked to tell me that by definition, a bylaw is not the instrument to use. Uh, by definition, it's a bylaw, potential penalty. Another town resident come before council and appeal his $100 fine that we gave him. Uh, like it's just doesn't get to the end goal. Uh, why do you need a bylaw? Uh, a bylaw, basically what you're saying to people is, if you're not comfortable wearing a mask in Peace River, go shop somewhere else. And I think that's the wrong strategy. So if the end game is to get, if you want to influence public behavior and public behavior is about controlling the virus, then we should have some strong messaging, social media messaging, and simply re-emphasize some of the, the public health orders that are out there. Again, AHS has got a wonderful website. Dr. Hinshaw has got information on there, what to wear, what not to wear, do this, do that. All the information is there. Uh, I'm not in favor of a bylaw. I think people should wear a mask. And again, I wear a mask, but we don't need to regulate this thing. And, and to conclude, really what I'm ticked about is why the provincial government would dump this thing on 264 municipalities and have this conversation that we're having right now duplicated 264 times. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I think I will just leave it there. Uh, and uh, I think we've got uh, Mr. Scamhorn up next. Okay. You want to? Oh, I'd, I'd love to add to what my colleagues have all said, but uh, I think they've captured uh, my thoughts as well. And um, from emails that I've received and messages that I've got, I think they've also captured the zeitgeist of the issue currently is in town. This, this is uh, where the public is at, but uh, I see we have uh, opportunity to do a little bit more, I guess we would say, uh, official, thorough, um, and, and comprehensive consultation. Um, we've done this before on everything from painting utility boxes downtown to, to whatever. So if it's a case of, you know, a survey or something that uh, Ms. Hume uh, puts together, as she's done before, that's probably a good, a good place to go. Um, I appreciated in particular what uh, Ms. Downing said, and I guess she's in touch with the chamber a little more regularly than some of the rest of us that, uh, that, that they're looking to maybe take some positive steps with us too. And I think the ultimate goal here is that if masks do help and they do, um, to increase the incidence of people wearing masks, then we can probably do that without the club of a bylaw. Mr. Good. Just one comment I would like to make, and this is not taking a side on the mask issue. It's it's the 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 biggest problem I've had with the mask issue 
is not the masks, the wearing of them, and not wearing them. It's the divisiveness um, and the anger and the people parsing themselves into two groups and defining motive be behind the other side. I know people who are personal friends of mine who will not wear a mask. They are not uncaring people. They are not people who don't care about their families. They are not people who don't care about me. They're not people who don't care. They're people who care very deeply for, th for things. They're very people who care very deeply for their families. And they're people who care very deeply for their communities. And they're people who wear masks who are not living in fear. The fact that I wear a mask doesn't mean I'm living in fear. Heck, I go shopping. If I see somebody not wearing a mask, the first thing I do is smile. If I know them, I smile and have a conversation. It's not about that. And I think that's part of the difficulty I've had is the, the getting away from being a community. In Peace River, one of the reasons I moved here 20 years ago was this was one of the friend, what not was one of the, it hands down was the friendliest community I'd ever lived in or had ever seen. I would come up here on a weekend and have a more enjoyable time than I have a month outside. And it's that divisiveness that bothers me. It's the polarization of people. And like I say, the trying to attribute motivation to other people's behavior and then defining them by my imagined perception of why they're doing something. They're doing the best they can with the, with the knowledge that they have to do the best for their families and their community. I accept that and I have no problem with that. Like I say, I have friends on both sides of the debate and both sides of the issue. I just hope we find a way to get through this remaining a really strong community of people who care about each other. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to say that. So, Mr. Parker, could you, uh, um, I know that you've been keeping your ear to the ground on this. Could you uh, uh, advise us who has, who, who has um, put forward a mass bylaw and the various types of mass bylaws there are out there and, and basically refresh the options that are open to us. So uh, some of the uh, places that have uh, um, mass bylaws right now, it's in report and some of them. However, Strathcona just did one and uh, they've got theirs on hold. So, uh, and they have a threshold and I believe it's 25 people. Uh, if they have 25 cases, then their mass bylaw comes into effect. Um, let's see, uh, the city of Edmonton that definitely has uh, a mass bylaw. County, uh, city Grand Prairie has one. Um, the town, uh, Calgary has one. Um, let's see. Yeah, those are the only ones that I know of. Right Mr. Now. Parker, may I offer a list of those that have said no to the bylaw? I mean, sorry. Uh, and, and you may know I offer a list of those communities that said no to the bylaw? Well, um, the chair isn't recognizing you at this time, Mr. Needham. Uh, Mr. Parker is still uh, providing uh, an answer to my question. Yeah. So, uh, and, and actually, those are just the ones that I'm I'm, I'm aware of right at the moment here. Uh, uh, you worship. And uh, the city of Grand Prairie's one, uh, do you have that one available? I'm sorry, sir, your volume. Grand Prairie, can you uh, forward that one to us? Yes, Get I that can. One, forward that to 
I'll see if I can pull it up right now as we're speaking there, Your Worship. Councilor Needham, do you have a question? If not, uh, any other questions? When you're speaking to me, Your Worship? Yeah, I asked you if you had a question now. I, well, I, I did have a question, but well, Mr. Uh, I didn't, I thought Mr. Parker was done his research. So my research tells me Red Deer Drumheller Medicine Hat and Airdrie have said no to such a bylaw. Red Deer Drumheller Medicine Hat Airdrie. Okay. Any other questions? I think it was Drumheller that uh, put in the uh, of a positive shopping incentive around their their mask uh, policy so they're some kind of a, a dollar incentive while shopping if you're wearing a mask that the uh, that the town is sponsoring through businesses each are continued or kicking in a portion and then that was in the briefing note down at the bottom it seemed a little awkward to me there might be something that we that our business community would 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 prefer that's that, that's not maybe exactly that one as well. So that's that's another option too. And, and, and like I said, uh, what administration was looking at is they were looking at not really implementing or doing first reading of a mass bylaw tonight. It's just saying if, uh, you know, could we go forward and just uh, look at the discussion with the, the public even um, and just seeing if they were interested. Uh, but what I'm hearing from council right at this moment is uh, it's, well, I, I, I won't uh, interject in what I think I hear from council. Uh, we'll go from there. Okay, Mr. Ford. I just want to uh, reiterate on uh, Councillor Good's comments um, as far as masking is considered. And uh, I'm not one that I usually social distance. Um, I stick to certain stores that I go shopping in, but I am not 100% percent against masking. I had to mask when my son was in the hospital. Um, I also have a mask in my truck that I carry out of respect because there is times where I have to travel in a vehicle that somebody may be at risk. So just out of respect for that person and their vehicle, I'll, I'll also, uh, also wear the mask at that time. But I think it should be uh, the choice of the individual. So right now I'm definitely not in favor of going forward on a bylaw. Mr. Good. Focused discussion, if it's um, if it would be agreeable at this time. What I'd like to do is offer a, a motion to um, to modify option one, which is to decline or postpone the bylaw pending uh, conversations with the Chamber of Commerce to see where they fall on this. And also after that, after we get back here back from the Chamber, then after that, if needed or if desired to proceed with community involvement and, can, and approaching the community as to how they feel. But I think it should be done in that order with the approach the Chamber first and then result, see what the result is from that and then possibly go to public if we decide to go further. But at this point, I would say decline or postpone until those things are done. So that'd be my motion, decline or postpone. Well, I, uh, yeah, I'm not going to accept the motion. We've, uh, the, the plan to go forward is to do a public review and comment. And because I that's going to be going forward on all the, all the legislation that we have in front of us, not just this particular one. 
so that we get public input. I don't understand why the uh, Chamber of Commerce gets uh, is becomes the public. They don't. The Chamber of Commerce doesn't pay elect us. Okay, do them simultaneously. I'm fine with that as an amendment to it. I don't care with that as an amendment. And uh, seeing that it's a, a briefing note, uh, uh, I don't think Mr. Parker was looking for a motion. Okay. So, uh, and in terms of that review and comment, Mr. Parker, if I understand it, it isn't a poll. It's uh, essentially a bit somewhat like the marijuana uh, um, input. So they comment on the legislation that's out there. Um, hopefully people do more than just putting it down ridiculous. They actually uh, defend defend that term and, uh, and, and state why it is ridiculous. Or uh, if they feel there's a need for the, uh, for a bylaw state why they feel there is a need for the bylaw. Well, and uh, that way we'll get the, uh, get uh, public input and go from there. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, your worship. Uh, so actually um, in, in the agenda package on page 40, there was basically a, a public review and comment period. And, and what I was, uh, our administration was looking at is we were looking at if council wanted to go forward with some kind of format of consultation, and which could include in consultation with uh, the chamber, because chambers can actually uh, go on out and reach out the, to their, their members and we could do it also. Um, basically, these are the, the eight questions or any modified uh, questions that are on page uh, 40 of your agenda. So that was if, if council was looking at moving forward with with some kind of consultation. Um, so that's uh, so it's not just move forward consultation, but it's it's also um, seeing if you know if there's any questions. Um, yeah, that's basically what we're looking at there, your worship and council. Okay, uh, we will move on to item number five. Maybe a motion to the briefing note for information. Well, could I have just clarification on what we're doing? Then? Well, the clarification is uh, so we're uh, um, we're going to put uh, it's out for review and comment, thirty days. And um, at that, and during that 30 day period, uh, the town will, administration will, well, both look at the comments and also see what the, uh, the lay of the land is. And uh, in 30 days, they will either come back with a bylaw or they will come back with some option that they feel is, is uh, the best fit for given the comments and and the uh, the situation at that time. Okay. Your Worship, uh, so yeah. you were so we weren't in favor of of working with the chamber to see where the businesses yeah, fell the, on this. The chamber, the chamber can uh, make can put in a, a comment either as a group or as individuals. 
That doesn't preclude the review and commentary, doesn't preclude uh, the Chamber of Commerce making comments. Just that everyone gets to make a comment. Yeah, I, and, and although I do hear you, Your Worship, uh, my concern is this, is that, is that going out for information is one thing, and we could certainly spend our next 30 days gathering that information as we should. But if, we're, if we decide in stage three not to be spending the next 30 days in some positive messaging around mask wearing and the, the benefits or the support that we provide to our, our community through mask wearing, and AHS comes to us in 32 days and says, okay, everybody's wearing a mask. We're 32 days behind where we could be if we'd spent the last month saying, this is, this is how we win as a community. And we have this positive messaging taking place within the community, which is really what I was thinking is in, because we're because we all agree that we need more consultation but just because we're gathering consultation doesn't mean this isn't a time for us to talk about the benefits of positive action right which is why if we're working with the chamber in this regard and the businesses that's our best place for us to do that that's a very visible place for you us made to an do. assumption that the, uh, the chamber of commerce is in favor of mask wearing and you know what, Your Worship, I think that this is a new topic on the table, and I don't know that they've even had that discussion. I know that the Chamber of Alberta is having that discussion and has brought it to their meeting, and that this chamber is, 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 uh, is going to discuss it at their Wednesday executive meeting. Um, but this, you know, without guidance from council, I'm all I'm saying is is get online to our website and answer our questionnaire. And to me, I mean, it we can do it that way, but it well, feels like what, there we're missing well, traction. Well, what the Chamber of Commerce would do is let's say they they uh, feel as an organization that there is a need for a mass bylaw or some other option option some other option like moose bucks or whatever, uh, then they would uh, they would put in a, a comment that uh, we we don't want to see the bylaw, but we want some positive incentive. Uh, we we would want a program uh, similar to uh, the Dino bucks in Drumella, or maybe uh, in whatever a week's time they say. No, uh, we're not interested whatsoever in entertaining a, a mass bylaw. We feel that will be uh, negative for our businesses. Um, um, okay, I hear you. Comment, um, and or if they say, yeah, you know, we would like to have a mass bylaw because uh, we. We recognize we have a legal liability to protect our employees, and we we do want uh, the uh, the backup of a bylaw to help enforce that uh, with people who come through our doors. Okay. And uh, and if they uh, let's say they they're they're all for mass bylaw uh, a mass. Asking, but not a bylaw. 
Uh, they can say that, but they can then start out their program of, uh, uh, of trying to uh, positive message that. I saw us having more traction with more people around the table, but if uh, that's how council feels that we should move forward, okay. Well, and they can uh, they can come forward and make a uh, so in two weeks time we have another meeting. Is that correct, Mr. Parker? Another uh, meeting in two weeks time. Uh, just one moment, uh, sorry, if I can just interject there, uh, Your Worship. Uh, uh, Mr. Williams uh, actually has to leave in uh, approximately uh, 7.15. And I'm just wondering if there's any possibility we could just uh, maybe suspend right. this discussion real quickly and bring in Mr. Williams so he can just talk to council. Okay, uh, bring Mr. Williams on. Yeah, thank you, sorry about that. Hello all. Um, Hello. All right, Your Worship, thanks for having me. Good, how are you? Very well. Busy, you guys know what's happening to me. I don't think there's much opportunity for Q&A, but I was hoping that you uh, were able to sit through the, uh, particularly through the municipal stimulus uh, stuff and uh, listen to that, so. Sure. And put um, your shoulder uh, behind the wheel on that. What I will do is I had a phone call for 7.15. I'll bump that, um, but I do have a second one at 7.30 that I probably will have to um, keep. So I'll try and be very concise, um, do any Q&A, and as long as I can stay on, I will. I'm sorry I can't stay the entire time, um, but uh, now that everything is Zoom friendly, there's always another opportunity, and I'll try and make sure I attend future meetings. Right. So um, if it's right with you, Your Worship, I'll just do a quick little um, context. I wanted to, now that we finished session um, for the uh, spring sitting, just about a week and a half ago, follow up with uh, municipal councils, uh, particularly the town of Peace River, and uh, get a sense of priorities you guys have, uh, any interest you have in different legislation we had going forward, um, get you any context, details, information, and particularly listen to uh, any feedback you had. So um, I understand you guys were concerned, uh, well, you guys wanted some information surrounding Bill 32, um, uh, the new workplace rules. I have a briefing note. I won't go into it in detail, but I will do is I'll have my staff forwarded to Ruth. And if you guys have particular questions, if they're technical, I might not be able to answer them on the spot right now, but I will get you any answers that you're looking for, of course. So I'll make sure that that's forwarded along to you guys as a briefing note. Leave that for questions. Uh, a very hot topic, as you guys know right now, is the linear assessment uh, model review that has happened. Um, so uh, I'll give you my context from how this um, came in across my desk. On July 24th, my understanding, committee released a document that committee had been working for about the past eight or nine months. It was comprised of uh, representatives from AUMA, RMA, um, Explorers and Producers, CAP, um, a number of other um, industry um, stakeholders, as well as chaired by the Deputy Ministers of Energy and Municipal Affairs. And his purpose was to look at how linear assessment um, is collected. It's been a longstanding request for industry, particularly oil and gas, to review the way that that, um, that model functions so that they, 
they feel their assets that are overvalued right now in their assessment will be accurately valued. This is a, a, a situation that spans a huge province with lots of different assets that are in very different um, plays. So the shallow natural gas plays in Southeast Alberta are very affected very differently by this than will be um, a lot of the different oil and gas assets in Northern Alberta where we are. So I met with a number of the different counties. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm here to listen on this topic and get a good sense of it. No decisions have been made, um, but I do understand um, it has a huge effect both on industry um, because of the nature of the struggle that they're in right now, but also uh, the bottom line for many municipalities. So in that, I went with a, a sense of openness to try and hear from municipalities um, and uh, get their feedback, which has been constructive. And I will be presenting a document to the minister um, of a lot of the feedback I've received. Um, and I'm happy to show that to any municipality that, that asked for the response back. So um, that one occupies a lot of time with a lot of the rural municipalities. You guys may wanna talk about it as well as a region, um, it is very important. But I understand you have other issues you'd like to talk about too. So I'll shut up for a bit, uh, turn it back over to um, Mayor Tarpe um, to lead any Q&A we have for the next 15 minutes or so. Yeah, we, we should probably just uh, touch on the, uh, the linear tax assessment. So um, as you uh, well know, we went through uh, inter-municipal inter collaboration framework uh, negotiations with our neighbors and we came up with two agreements that we uh, that were hard fought and hard, hard won and we felt that we came up with some uh, some good agreements with, with two out of the three uh, three neighbors one's going to arbitration but you know a lot of that uh, was uh, dependent on on what they were expecting through uh, uh, their linear tax assessment. They knew that it may very well go down because uh, a number of the oil and gas companies were pulling out, but uh, they were certainly counting on that revenue and using that revenue to support us. And uh, and so changing uh, changing the rules at this stage of the game is is difficult. It's like changing the tax laws. Uh, and it, and some of the fees is it um, uh, uh, we may be a town, but we're still a corporation. We, uh, in many ways, we're a nonprofit business, but we right. are a business, and we need stable funding, and we need a stable financial picture, and that translates to our munis our uh, rural partners who are contributing who we're uh, working into these agreements with because we're a uh, yeah, we're a corporation where you're uh, we're tasked with uh, maintaining the asset which is this town protecting the asset uh, repairing the asset and even improving the asset where we can so uh, so um, I I can we we and, and many of us work for a number of these industries and we can very well understand their, their situation and their need to, uh, to manage their costs, which include uh, municipal taxes. But uh, um, we're, we're, 
also, uh, and, and as you know, the provincial government is, is cutting back on a lot of the funding that we were counting on, like uh, the municipal, municipal, municipal sustainability uh, grants and also uh, uh, grants in lieu where uh, we have provincial buildings that uh, they didn't pay for operating taxes, but in lieu they, they would give a grant that was equivalent to that property tax and that has gone away. So, um, uh, so there really is a need to, uh, to uh, maintain uh, the flow of monies that are going in and out. Um, I don't know if I said that well enough, but uh, if there's uh, one a counselor that has a question or would like to add to that, please. If please I could just feel a real quick 30 seconds before the next. I, I appreciate that. Uh, Tom, um, I understand that you guys have, um, unlike other municipalities, um, like the county at Northern Sunrise, you guys have, like, every dollar you use goes directly to work inside your um, municipality. Um, and uh, it, it's a lot of pressure on you guys for that. Um, and, uh, and I think that, like I said before, and you very articulately laid out, this is a regional concern, even if you guys don't have linear assessment um, as effective. So it's not lost on me and I appreciate that. Um, like I said, I'm compiling a lot of this input and it's helpful before I go back to the minister. Any uh, questions for Mr. Williams on, uh, on uh, rural tax assessment or uh, linear tax assessment, Ms. Deputy Mayor? Um, yes, um, thank you, Mr. Williams, for uh, coming today. Um, uh, you, you just kind of said that uh, you realize that the town of Peace River, uh, I think, kind of spends every dollar it can inside its, for its citizens. I, I think uh, we've been uh, moving along, as the mayor has said, in the last, uh, at least the last six, seven years to, um, having our regional partners contribute a lot to uh, our town, both in terms of helping with capital costs, helping with some operational aspects. And I would hate that uh, we would have lost what we've gained in those years through the new model for linear assessment, which doesn't seem to help anybody except uh, decrease the tax bill for some big companies who aren't necessarily even going to reinvest that money within the province, uh, not necessarily, my opinion, uh, going to bring uh, continuing jobs or more jobs to the area just because their tax bill went down. Whereas their tax bill going down has affected not only those rural municipalities, but has uh, major potential impacts on um, us small urbans, as the mayor has suggested. So I just wanted to state my opinion on that. No, I appreciate that, uh, Mrs. Manzer. I really do. Um, it, uh, it is important to make sure we find that balance. For context, um, I'm also doing my responsible due diligence and speaking to local producers. Um, and I, I spoke to, Explorers and Producers Association, EPAC, um, who, whose membership is not the industry of CNRL and Vatex and Shell. Um, Explorers and Producers really are the small guys, the closest thing to mom and pop shops, right? 
Um, most other companies have an average employee of about, you know, 30 to 40 people, right? So um, good size business in oil and gas, but definitely not those giants. And, um, and yeah, it was really interesting. He informed me that the second highest cost um, for producers per barrel is municipal taxes. Um, so it's not as though this isn't, a, isn't something that the industry is concerned about. It, it, they're not coming out of this with, for no reason, right? The small oil and gas producers um, and businesses uh, affiliated with the industry are concerned, understandably. They, they're going through tough times. I need to make sure as a government between municipalities' interests and industry, um, because really this is both of their interests. We don't really change our revenue provincially. In fact, we would go down if there was this um, decrease in linear assessment because the um, education um, uh, revenue would go down along with that, with the property assessment. But my point is, is we got to find that balance, right? And I don't want municipalities to not be viable. I don't want them walking, going backwards. I also want to make sure that we remain competitive and continue to grow in those jobs uh, that are in the constituency of Peace River um, and we don't lose any businesses. I'm happy to say we don't have a lot that are on the edge up here because of the nature of our uh, assets or they're much younger and healthier. And um, from what I understand, um, it's a larger concern in the southeast part of the province, but I don't want to be in a spot where we're no longer competitive and those jobs that provide a lot aren't there. But uh, but again, all that to say, I do take your point. Um, and uh, no, I appreciate that feedback. Thank you. Um, on the uh, Mr. Needham here, you got a quick comment? If, yeah, and I, I don't mean to change topics, but I know the MLA's time is precious. Uh, yeah. Dan, there's been lots of discussion about uh, small, small nuclear production in Alberta, and uh, you are aware that Peace River was on the short list a number of years ago, and, and uh, we missed a golden opportunity to put jobs in this area. What, what can you tell me about nuclear, uh, the future of nuclear? Uh, what can we do to work with you to make sure we get back on that list? Mm -hmm. Well, as you guys know, um, the, the government has inter, uh, entered into an agreement um, which effectively doing research, um, from my understanding, um, in terms of how we can use nuclear energy uh, within our production. Um, the provincial government's, I think, open to it for sure. As far as it goes for here, I, I did look into this early on um, with collaborating with uh, um, the, uh, the mayor, um, uh, wondering if there's a possibility for any of this. Um, and my initial feedback is, of course there is, but there needs to be an interested um, private enterprise, business, Bruce Energy, whoever it may be. Um, that wants to come here, um, wants to set up. So that really is the first step. Um, and if we have, um, I mean, it, I, I don't know the first thing about the nuclear energy business. I'm not going to lie. It's not my, my forte. Um, but, uh, but if we have the beginning conversation with a company that wants um, to come, then of course, um, all options are on the table and we're happy to facilitate that. Right. Yeah, so but, uh, this, this research uh, item is, uh, is for small modular nuclear reactors. And um, uh, so I, I think uh, Mr. Needham was just asking, how can we get on the waiting list? Uh, you're saying it's, it's really just a, a research initiative. That's um, not, it's not scaled up in that sense. I, yeah. Um, so I, I should actually point out that uh, the uh, the news reports that I listened to, or I don't know whether it was, it was uh, late last week, was uh, uh, that 
that uh, traditional nuclear power plants were too expensive, but uh, I think part of the problem there was that uh, that the cost of carbon was not not added into that and wasn't factored into that. And really, I know that you have a cost on carbon of thirty dollars per uh, ton of CO2 when it should be probably around two hundred and eighty. Uh, dollars per ton of CO2. And the, uh, the way, and this is just a, uh, well, I don't know if it's a personal opinion, but the problem with the small nuclear reactors is we, I see those being manufactured in Ontario and then coming out here being put in them on a modular basis. Whereas if we went with traditional nuclear, we would, uh, we, we would create thousands of jobs and get a $10 billion investment right here in the province. But uh, um, I know that we're running out of time and we kind of, uh, we sort of touched on that topic. The other one that I'd like to uh, just touch on and I'll be following up with a letter on this. Uh, and I know that the province has got one from Northern Sunrise County. Um, it has to do with parks and specifically the Green Valley Park. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I, I think Northern Sunrise County even volunteered to take it over. Uh, we certainly want to see that stay under some, some government uh, oversight, uh, preferably the province. Uh, and, and our concern there is, is fl from flooding. Um, you know, it still has a lot of natural features to it. It has holdup of water. Um, we do, as you, as I sh showed you around uh, a few months ago, uh, Pat's Creek does flood. And I think a lot of that is because there's been uh, quite a bit of development uh, up top on, uh, from Pat's Creek, as well as down here below. And a lot of those natural holdup features like beaver dams and that sort of thing. Uh, aren't there, and that that helps create uh, some flooding conditions. So we don't want to see something similar to like that happen in Green Valley, where it gets into private hands, and there's and the profit motive is to develop that, develop that to the point that we lose some of the uh, the anti-flooding features. So you'll probably get a letter from us on that, and I think you have a letter or an invitation from us on for, and I don't know why they picked this date, September the 11th for the opening of our, our 375 reservoir. And uh, I wanna thank you uh, very much for helping support that and providing the provincial funding to make that, uh, make that happen. It was a critical piece of infrastructure and uh, I can tell you that the uh, fire chief who lives in that area is now happy that he has enough uh, fire uh, fire flow in the hydrants to save his own house if need be. Good to hear. No, um, and I'm looking forward to the letter on parks. Um, I'm optimistic that I can help move things along um, from what you're telling me. Um, it's the kind of thing that I think there's the ability to help with. Uh, and uh, the reservoir, of course, that was, I think, literally directly after getting elected, we were in correspondence and 
and happy that that moved forward. So yeah, it's, it's important for the town. Yeah, very I'll much limit my conversation. You guys have anything else you want to ask? I'll push off my phone call for an extra few minutes. You can wait just to make sure. You, got a chance. you guys, I don't have any more. Deputy Mayor Mazur. Um, well, I'll just comment on something that affects our, our region as well. Um, doctor, physician retention and attraction. Um, it's very important to us that uh, things don't go sideways with um, their contracts and whatever the stuff behind the scenes is. We have up to a thousand people in our immediate area that don't have a family doctor. Um, we keep attract, attracting them. We don't want them to go away because of some um, administrative whatever it is. Uh, they're very valuable to us. The same thing goes with our radiologists and stuff like that. We, we have equipment in our hospital that um, somebody like a radiologist is important to its operation. If we don't have one because his contract goes sideways, then that whole department is out to lunch, which is um, a bad use of capital dollars from the province. So mm -hmm. I'll put that out there that uh, that doctor uh, physician contract is uh, critical to our area. Yeah, we built them a brand new spanking medical clinic. <laughs> and we need to fill it up. <laughs> That's right. we, well, we need to fill it up and you know thank goodness we had that one during covid rather than the other one because cleaning the other one would have been a major uh fiasco right thank you uh deputy mayor i'll give a quick though i sure i could go on for a long time a, a quick um, response to that and thank you for your passion and access to rural health care i would agree with you 110 percent um it's incredibly important physician compensation is key as a part of that strategy uh, when it comes to uh, retention and attraction of physicians. Uh, anyone who's worked on any of these committees, as you many of you probably have municipally over years, in, in attracting and retaining doctors, it's uh, it's part of the conversation that they have very early on. So um, for context, since beginning negotiations with the AMA, province-wide, we've seen 300 new doctors practice in Alberta, um, which is good. Uh, the problem is, is that we don't always have them coming to Peace River. <laughs> we don't have them coming to the remote rural northern areas. Um, a physician in Grimshaw could have 1,900 patients on his or her panel, um, whereas a physician, family physician in Calgary could have four or 500. Um, and, and that is, is a problem. We have lots of physicians in the province, but not all where they should be. Um, not where we need them, I should say. So, um, what the minister has done, I think his announcement was in March, if I'm not mistaken, is he has done a couple of things. He's taken rural physicians out of the negotiations surrounding complex modifiers, surrounding insurance coverage, uh, surrounding emergency pay, and, and surrounding overhead pay um, for clinics. All those are removed from the conversation for rural physicians. On top of that, there have been a few other initiatives taken. Um, we're putting aside, I think it's $2 million a year for, um, I can't remember the number right now. I'm gonna go with 10, but it could be 15 um, rural placements in uh, University of Calgary and University of Edmonton medical um, schools so that we can train physicians who want to go and practice in these rural areas. That's more of a long-term solution. The big thing we've done for physician compensation to make sure they understand that it's that they're valued, that they're important, 
that our rural communities, we want them and we need them, um, is that we've removed the cap to physician compensation on the rural northern program. It used to be a cap where accumulated, they could make up to $60,000 a year just for being here. Um, by removing the cap, not just moving it to 100, but eliminating it completely, depending on how much physician, individual physicians work and the kind of work they do, um, there are huge opportunities to compensate. And this is an intention um, to make sure that we continue to have access in rural, remote, northern areas. And there's no constituency in the province that benefits from that change like ours does. Now, there's obviously not individual numbers for how much physicians will benefit from that, um, though we are um, looking at um, a piece of uh, regulation that we passed a law for that will allow us to see how much physicians make, um, like any other contractor, how much they're compensated for as well. But that negotiation is underway with the Alberta Medical Association for what that looks like. But until that happens, I can tell you the compensation model um, is, is good for rural northern physicians. It's better than anywhere else in the province. It's likely better than anywhere else in the country. I stand to be corrected on that. I'm, I'm not boasting about it. I'm saying that for context, that physicians and rural northern communities, that's Peace River North, um, are, are very well compensated for the work they do as they should be. And we need to keep that up along with a wider strategy um, to make sure we keep getting physicians here. Because as you guys know, it's not a partisan issue. Um, uh, no matter what government you look at across rural Canada, for the past 40 years, it's been increasingly a problem. And it's not, it's a tough cookie to crack. So it's gonna take more than one piece, um, but this is one part of that. So I hope that gives some context and, and I agree and thank you for your comments. Last one, and then I should probably roll if that's all right. Yeah. So the mustache, would you lost a bet? Or did you have the Oilers as winning um, <laughs> their series or, or how, or did you want something serious? No, it's uh, my wife hated it. I love it. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, I'm I'm happy to change it off for some noble cause, like my colleague Rick McIver did. But I think people um, care about him and his mustache more than they do me because he raised a phenomenal amount of money for the um, Calgary Cancer Foundation. I think it was Children's Cancer Foundation. But yeah. Oh, very good. I look forward to hearing about your contribution to. <laughs> Someday when I'm an important man, I'll shave it for a huge amount of donations. But until then, I just see if I can last another couple of weeks with my wife not shaving it off in the night. I'm happy to visit you guys more often. I'm sorry I didn't have more time. Um, I've suggested to Angela and Ruth, please follow up on this. Um, once while I'm in session, especially as long as we're doing um, COVID, um, I would like to meet with you guys via, via Skype or Zoom, and then once at the end of session, so we can meet anywhere from, uh, you know, three to four times a year um, regularly, and I think that would be helpful to stay in the loop for me to get feedback from you guys and vice versa. Great. Oh, that's good. Okay. Thank Again, you very much. Pardon me. Thank you very much. Of course. Thank you, Your Worship. Thank you, Council. You guys take Have care. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Okay, so that's that's a wrap on that one, and uh, I think we've pretty well wrapped up the uh, the mask one. So uh, it, Joanna, it was yeah, meet with uh, 
meet with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, get their feel, uh, tell them, uh, yeah, if, if they want to, if they're all for it and they want, uh, want to, want the mass bylaw to give them support, uh, put that in there. Or if they say no, but we want a, uh, a moose fox program or we want uh, some other sort of support um yeah have them put that in there and we could and uh, administration can probably start administration is watching what the comments are and they will design the uh what they put forward in 30 days time if they put forward anything um based on what's happening in the next 30 days and what those comments are there was a before the uh, uh, we set a, set it aside to hear Mr. Williams. There was a proposed or discussion of a motion to accept for information. Is that motion still valid, or should I remove well, it? Or what's council's? Just to close that one out, a uh, just a motion for to accept for information for the time being the briefing house. Mr. Good, all in favor? And I understand there's a briefing note regarding capital projects update. So uh, too bad, Miss. But I think you must have touched on most of this already, Mr. McQuaig, uh, under the stimulus program, uh, and that's really why I wanted. Uh, I want. I certainly wanted the uh, the MLA to uh, listen to what we have in terms of capital projects out there. So and I was just uh, with this briefing note, uh, your worship was just to kind of uh, in lieu of our monthly uh, engineering report, uh, okay. kind of keep everybody up to date on uh, various projects in town and, and where we're at with them and some of the status of those. Uh, the first one is uh, the one that's near and dear to your heart, your worship, the neighborhood structure renewal program. So uh, last week we were expecting for paving of 106th Street. Uh, or, and, uh, yeah, I think we're meeting with you. You can talk more directly in the microphone. Am I the only one that's having Fortunately, I'm kind of working off. I'm kind of working off my tablet, so. Uh, right now down the center. Your house or not, Mr. What's that motion? It's, it sounds like you never got you never uh, picked up on the fiber optic uh, option to directly to your house. Is what it sounds. Uh, like. They don't they don't have fiber optic where we are. <laughs> We're down in Parkland County, sir. We had to cut down trees to improve our reception. They, they don't even have flush toilets, Your Worship. <laughs> Had to dig the Becky out twice this year so far. So, so moving on. Uh, so neighborhood uh, renewals on track to get finished in the south end this year. We're trying to get all that wrapped up. Uh, and we're just about done our engineering planning for uh, going down uh, town next year on 94th, 95th. Uh, we've got the open house coming up 
on, I think it's the 27th of August, uh, where we'll be discussing the, uh, the local improvement bylaw proposal uh, to go from a gravel standard to a pavement standard. So we've given all the residents there some advance notice. We'll be following up uh, with some more information with them uh, next week. So this uh, is around the co-op area? That is, those, those two unpaved streets behind the co-op, those would be those two streets. So, uh, like I said, we've got a design. Uh, so that's what we're gonna be presenting to the residents there along with the associated cost for what the local improvement would be to go from the existing gravel standard to the paved standard. And what that would look like over, I think it, we put over a 20 year uh, payback period. So uh, cross so on that project, Jim, could you just uh, remind me, so what's the threshold for uh, a petition to make that fail? So we, You've got a plan. Uh, council wants to go forward with this pavement. So is it 50% of the assessed value on the street or 50% of the residents? So we come forward with a plan, they petition against us. Is that, and I believe it's or would you simply stay with the gravel then? Yeah, so I think it's 50% of the residents. Of the residents? Of the residents, as I recall. So there's an apartment there. How does that count? Or do they, they don't count? No, it'll be the one landowner who... So does the school division get a vote? They would have... I would think so. They would have a vote. Do they pay any taxes there? They have to pay the uh, improvement levy. That isn't... Uh, they're not exempt from paying the improvement the improvement levy. Thanks, Jim. So, the schools don't get exempted from the improvement the, uh, levy, do they? Yeah. So, carrying on. Uh, so, we have uh, two, the two projects that are out for tender. It's actually one tender that's out right now with the pavement overlay project that I talked about previously uh, that also incorporates this year's sidewalk uh, replacement project. So those are tender for another week or so and then that will close and probably be looking at uh, paving in September. So basically that is to concentrate on uh, 75th Avenue in the north end of and it's a total redo on that cul-de-sac. Uh, so that's why it's basically consuming uh, the majority of our paving uh, overlay budget for that one. But uh, since we're doing that project, uh, while we've got the paving company on the hook, we're gonna get uh, all our paving done for the water breaks uh, and a few other associated areas uh, within that project as well. And as well as bund bundling in uh, some of our sidewalk program. Uh, so Jim, are the residents on that that cul-de-sac have they been informed as to what is happening? Uh, we haven't reached out to them until we actually have the tenders in, and we know that we're going to go ahead with that project uh, because then we 
you know, at that point, then we'll talk about timelines yeah. uh, when that project is going to occur. But I think it's premature until I know, you know, one, if the, if we get a contractor that can do it uh, this year, and second, if we do have it, when, what the time frames are around that. So the uh, Reservoir 365, as you noted, uh, that one is uh, complete now. Uh, as far as the new reservoir uh, is concerned, we're, we've uh, we're spent the last uh, week or so demolishing the old reservoir. So the majority of that is down now. And so the next uh, couple of weeks will be spent on kind of uh, repairing the grade through there and also landscaping. So we're still on track uh, to do that open house and kind of just pick every day and kind of a, a date that uh, everybody could kind of uh, get the most attendance to on that date. So we kind of pick that. Was that kind of going to be an evening, like a 5 p.m. thing or is it middle of the day? Uh, that one we can, uh, we haven't committed to the actual time of that one, I believe. Uh, so we do have some flexibility in that. But probably, it'd probably be looking more like 5 p.m. just to capture people that uh, are off work and yeah. are, you know, finished work for the day so that we can get maximum participation in that. Great. But uh, just as another note on that one, I know the residents on uh, 103rd are very happy that uh, they actually have normal operating pressure uh, for their water for that they haven't seen in a, a long, long time. So they're very happy with that, including Chief Harris. He's up there as well. Uh, and along with that, we can we've checked off our uh, 365 protection pumps, which was part of the reservoir project, and also the backup generator, which is also incorporated into that project. So we've kind of checked off three of our capital project items with that one project. The Shaspery uh, parts one and two, uh, we're just trying to wrap up our design through that. We had to kind of reassess uh, part of our design through there because the trunk trunk mains were getting too deep. So we had to realign that. And part of that project was putting in a small uh, packaged uh, lift station to uh, convert part of it to a force main system. Uh, so right now we're still on track within our budget, but uh, we just had to take a little more, had to take a step back and uh, look at that one. So that one there, we're just uh, finishing up our geotech analysis through the revised route on that one. And so we're looking at uh, probably entering that one probably closer to November now, but still on track to get all that work done next year. The aeration tank cleaning uh, that we had on the books this year, that is going ahead. Uh, we're projected to start that project mid-September. So that project was awarded uh, for the equipment supply and we're just working on the installation contract uh, right now. That one will be a fairly quick turnaround. Uh, we don't expect any issues, but we're looking at having that uh, project uh, done the last two weeks of September, uh, which should uh, definitely be good to get uh, finished up as well. And the last part I'll talk about uh, 
today is the Columbarium Project. And Deputy Mayor, I know this one's uh, near and dear to your heart. And as per your request, uh, we were actually slightly under budget uh, for the Columbarium itself. So we, with the remaining funds, we were able to incorporate the memorial wall into the columbarium and as a, an adder into that. So you'll see two images on the report for that one. So the first image is uh, basically uh, showing kind of the actual size uh, of that columbarium. And this one's actually from my hometown of Alexandria, Ontario. So, Even better. <laughs> uh, and the second one there is a slightly large, slightly larger memorial, uh, but it does show the memorial uh, plaques that would go onto the side. So uh, that's uh, kind of what we've uh, looked at and along with the, the rough stone finish at the bottom. So that's basically what you'll be looking at. And that uh, the location of that, uh, there's those park benches midway in, in the cemetery it's gonna to go to just to the west of that uh, little place that we found that we could put uh, it in there and kind of mute. Uh, there's a little garbage can we kind of moved back out of the way, but it'll be a good fit for right in there. And we'll actually uh, make a, a fairly prominent feature in the middle of our cemetery. Oh, the IOU on that is you need to bring forward a fee, a fee structure for us to look at, is that? That, that is correct. Now that we've got that in place, we'll have to uh, propose a, a fee for the columbarium itself. Well, thanks very much, Jim, for getting the wall part in there too. I'll report to my people. <laughs> yeah. Then if the council has any questions on any of those. I don't have a question on those, but I do have a question. Uh, since school seems to be uh, starting in September, will there be uh, sidewalks completed as you go around the high school? They've taken up one sidewalk there. And I'm just wondering, you know, students walking to and from. Yeah, so the sidewalks that were taken out by highways, uh, I think the majority of them are put back now. Uh, so uh, had to drive down there last week and it looked like they had completed them all. Because last time I went, I didn't see it, but that's good to hear. Thank you very much. Okay. I actually drove by there today and there's a, uh, they've got a, a section um, detoured uh, kind of around up the stairs by the high school because that section of sidewalk was just taken out probably about a week and a half ago and that one's not put back yet. Yeah, I think that's the one I'm referring to. It's below the welcome sign, that stretch. So that one there uh, from our one of our last meetings, they were projecting to have all that work complete by the first or middle of September. So the other one I'd call your attention to that I didn't mention was uh, the crosswalk project. So uh, some of you may have noticed the new uh, improved crosswalk sign is up on 98th and 94th. We just have to put in a little concrete structure to support that one. And that's one that we're working on next week or two. And the second one will be completed there. So, so are we gonna name that Scamahorn Crossing? Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, 
Um, there is already a geographical location for Scamhorn Crossing. It's uh, it's uh, in Hawk Hills down in the Peace River Valley up there, but no, that's a little bit too far uh, either way. Uh, we wouldn't want to confuse Google either. No, you would. That would. I, it doesn't show up on Google. I tried, um, but otherwise, just the ninety-eight crossing. I think just fine. So there again, another uh, check mark for uh, council's strategic plan completed. Well, thank you for your assistance on that, and for uh, I believe it was uh, JC that was taking the lead on that particular project. So if he's listening, here's a virtual high five. And uh, where are you on the hydrant flushing program? So the hydrant flushing program, uh, we have been completing on a few hydrants and I've got to kind of sit down with our superintendent of public works and just kind of see where we're up to that. I don't have a, an up-to-date report on that one for you tonight. Do we, uh, so you're, you've already started that program? Yes, we have. Okay. So are you getting any complaints from uh, Seeing that those hydrants haven't been flushed, are you getting any complaints from residents about uh, uh, debris in the water, dirty water? Not at this point, Your Worship. Because okay. I was going to just suggest that we, we're going to an area and we're going to do some flushing. We should probably forewarn people, but uh, if you're not getting any complaints, maybe that's unnecessary. Okay. Okay, uh, that uh, so a uh, a motion to accept for information that particular briefing note. Uh, Ms. Downing, all in favor? Favor. Uh, we have a number of reports. Uh, North Peace Housing Foundation board meeting synopsis for July eighth, twenty twenty. Anything you want to underscore there, Mr. Scavenger? Uh, no, it's. Uh pretty straightforward summer, summer business thing. There is no August uh, meeting. Um, I think, uh, the biggest thing we were sort of discussing, and it, it, it came up a little bit tonight around our accessibility thing is um, with, with uh, Heritage Towers, uh, currently doesn't have that uh, very good quality of a of a handy bus and uh, it used to be that um, at every facility they would sort of they'd have a, a kind of a, a, a like a charity they would run a separate charity that the residents would run uh, that they would do you know bingos and this and that and raise money and bake sales and whatever else and, and that's how those were were funded but um, it just seems that in the, the our changing culture that those those types of things don't happen as much anymore. The nature of the residents changed over time that that, that do attend uh, the lodges and those kind of things aren't really occurring. And so we are just that's one of our our things we're looking at right now. Of course, in the area of COVID, that adds another uh, layer of difficulty to it. Just um, how to run these transportation assets. Um, are they under direct control of the foundation or because, you know, it was 
sort of uh, working together with those internal charities thing. And, and like I said, those aren't as robust as they used to be. So, you know, kind of like the barn dances don't happen anymore either. It's kind of deal. So anyway, that was kind of uh, one of the items that we were knocking around that it seems to be uh, at the forefront of a lot of our conversations too, just in terms of accessibility and who knows, maybe there's an opportunity there for some synergy between us and and them at some point uh, as our own access accessibility uh, um, program takes flight. Uh, maybe there's a, a chance there. Otherwise, it's uh, up for you to read and enjoy. Well, when they get the auto drive cars, I guess it won't be an issue. Okay, uh, what about the meaning of the Peace Regional Healthcare Attraction and Retention Committee? I don't know you want to speak to there, Ms. Mazur? Um, uh, not, not really. I think you've read it. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to the celebration of our award uh, next, uh, well, could be any time from November to March, depending upon COVID and things like that. So keep, okay. keep you posted. Motion then to accept the reports as uh, presented. So moved. Okay, all in favor. Uh, there's uh, no items under information. Any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Uh, do we have any comments from the public? Uh, what with we you? Do Your Worship? Uh, could I just interject for one clarification quickly? Uh, it's for the uh, local improvement bylaw and the open house. So just to clarify, it was set, uh, set up for August 26th at 7 p.m. And uh, the bylaw is support from two-thirds of the property owners liable to pay the local improvement tax and must be represent 50% of the total assessed value of the plan area. That's how it's defined. Right. Okay, uh, Ms. Yu, any comments from the public you want to uh, uh, transfer to us? Uh, we've had a couple of responses in about the mask bylaw, so I'll make sure that council sees all of those. Um, okay. I've got seven email items in my folder right now, but I think there's a few more than that. So I'll pass They're this. They're all on the mass bylaw? Sorry? They're all on the mass bylaw? Yes, all of them. Okay. Um, uh, and what do you... What are you going to highlight up from this meeting, uh, Ms. Yu? What are our key communication items? Um, some clarity from council around the mask thing would be appreciated. Um, I noticed a conversation there around positive messaging, encouraging mask use, but also we're entering into a period of public consultation here. Yeah, just uh, do the public uh, set up the public review and comment period like we did the more or less the marijuana thing where we get public comments in and uh, 
you can ask them if they want to um, if they want to answer these you can prompt them with questions if you want but uh, if we can uh, just uh, get people's uh, comments and uh, Ms. Downing will take this forward to the Chamber of Commerce and um, encourage them to put in their own specific input, whether as an organization or individuals. And if they already want to start some positive messaging around the mass bylaw, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll take our direction from Ms. Downing and, uh, and, and probably help that way. Um, but right now you'll just uh, do uh, uh, just taking comments and uh, for the time being for the next week or two weeks we'll at least appear neutral. Yes, Mr. Ford. So just to understand you right, uh, that's positive messaging in around the wearing of masks, not about positive messaging to do with the bylaw. We're so my concern ahead. is we might muddy the water if we're both doing a public consultation on the bylaw and publicly messaging about mask wearing. Yeah, that those two processes uh, should probably be separate. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So uh, the review and comment period is to be uh, neutral, take comments in, um, Try and communicate those to the councillors. Um, don't want to do it on each individual one, but summarize them maybe at the end of the, each week and put them out. And uh, we will wait. Um, Ms. Downing will uh, go to the Chamber of Commerce and uh, she'll come back in two weeks' time and give us an assessment of where they want to go. And, uh, and, and we may uh, change our tack from there. Okay. Yep, that's great. That was the big one I had. Okay. And uh, so uh, uh, are we going to highlight the access accessibility program that we're, uh, we've kicked off, I guess, a second version of accessibility, but uh, uh, we are... Uh, we're uh, we're taking another. Uh, uh, we're looking to uh, implement a more robust accessibility program over the next uh, year, and it'll probably go on for uh, four years or something. I'll be working with Ms. Modi on that. Okay. Okay. Good. And. Uh, I don't think we need to highlight the stimulus program because you'll already be, uh, or do we want to highlight the stimulus program and, and mention that we put some uh, projects forward to, uh, to uh, help stimulate the local economy through the government program? We, we can. Typically, we do releases around approval of funding, not application for funding. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. 
Unless you go on and reading them at the communication, key communication items. Okay, uh, and we are not adjourning, but we will be coming back for an in-camera meeting in about five, 10 minutes. Um, sir, I have a second link for that. Yeah. So if this meeting would terminate and I will get the new one restarted, those of you that do not have the link, I will send it again. Okay, should I uh, give you the numbers so the public knows how to get into our camera from them? Okay. I believe that'll be necessary. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you for the generous offer. <laughs>